Hi everyone, and welcome to the 35th episode of Slime Time SideQuest, an official Dragon's Den podcast. This is Yangus the Legendary Bandit. And this is Pendy, subbing in for Platy M3. Hadouken! Sonic! Boom! Spinning bird kick! Whoa, 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 whoa. What on earth are you doing over there, Pendy? No, I'm just working on some new moves I'm going to use for self-defense. Choryuken! What? Self-defense? Alright, well, look, those are Street Fighter moves. I mean, those aren't real. They're not going to work for you in real life. Oh, yeah? Well, watch this. Okay. All right. Now you're, now you're just making stuff up. All right. This 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 might have been a bad idea. <laughs> no. No. That was that was real. <laughs> I may have pulled a few muscles there. Oh, this isn't good. No. Oh. Hmm. Well, he stopped moving for a bit. Uh, while Pendy attempts to uh, uh. pull himself together. <laughs> Shush. Quiet uh. down there. Quiet. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, now that he stopped grunting, uh, I'll give you a breakdown of our episode today. <laughs> We're going to be talking about fighting games. Yes, from arcade hits to niche novelties, we'll be looking at several generations of fighting games. Amazing! But we may need some tag team help for tonight, and for that, we've invited our good friends of the show, Barurian. Hey, how's it going? And Twinkie. Yo. To chat about some of their favorite fighting games as well. Before we get into the games, let's start with what got us into fighting games in the first place. Burian, let's start with your fighting game origin story. Uh, for me, that would probably be, gosh, sometime in the uh, late 90s, I kind of wandered into a Funko Land, which is a predecessor of uh, what you now know as GameStop. I remember those. They were they yeah. were. Yeah. They were everywhere around here, and I kind of wandered in one day and saw sitting on the shelf in the Super Nintendo section a copy of a game called Samurai Showdown. And it was only $6 back when used games didn't cost you an arm and a leg. (laughs) So I picked that bad boy up, went home, and I think for the next month solid, that was about the only game that I wanted to pick up and play. Like, I was hooked. And basically since then... I've been a big, big fan of fighting games. Very nice. Um, how about you, Twinkie? Let's go to you next. What is your fighting game origin story? Oh, it's uh, really long. Uh, when I was young, I used to be, I was one of those uh, kids that was really into Mighty Morphin Power Rangers at the time. And my parents got me a Sega Genesis. They also got me a copy of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, which to my recollection, I believe it's the only Sega Genesis um Power Rangers game, but it's a 1v1 uh, fighter, and it's probably the very first fighting game that I actually got fairly invested into. Like, um, Kid Neck, um, my neighbor kid, like, we would just come over and we'd play all the time and all that, but I I haven't really been into fighters that much um, until I think it was around middle school. We ended up having a roller rink that was, um, that opened up for business, and me and my friend, we shortly discovered that they actually had a small arcade there, and in the arcade, they had what I consider as one of the greatest gaming, uh, arcade cabinets of all time, and that's Marvel vs. Capcom 2. Yes. And we were like, we go to this roller rink, and you hit, and how it, the roller rink was set up is that the arcade was kind of set to the side in the big stadium part of where the rink is at. So we would have to pay for a ticket, but we'd pay for a ticket, but we'd ju- just go straight to the machines and play MVC2, like, for four or five hours. And that's what really got me interested in fighting games in general. But shortly after, um, the unfortunately, the place didn't stay up for long. I think it was like a couple years, and they went out of business. So I really didn't play much fighting games after that. Of course, there was the PS2 version, and I think there was a Dreamcast version of the game out there. 
Yep. And we did play those a bit, but you know, in my opinion, when it comes to fighting games, there's nothing better than playing the real cabinet, you know? So after that, I kind of fell off. But when Street Fighter 4 came out, it's kind of what brought fighting games back on the map because they were kind of like dormant for a while. And I picked up Street Fighter 4 for PC. I picked it up and played it for a little bit. I wasn't really huge into it. But, you know, a couple years later, and I believe Super Street Fighter 4 was out at this time, I went to a LAN party. And at this LAN party, there was, they recently remodeled, and they had a PC room and a console room. And in the console room, you know, there was these people walking in, and they walk into the console room, and I wouldn't see them for the rest of the night. And we're there from, like, 4 p.m. until 8 a.m. It was like an all-nighter thing. And, you know, we're the all high and mighty PC gamers, you know, we're sitting there playing <laughs> five to ten year old RTS games in World of Warcraft and whatnot. And me and my friend were sitting there playing and I was sitting there having my Twinkie break after an intense match. And I heard all this noise and hype coming from the console room. And me and my friend decided to go check it out. Well, we walk in there and they had all these couches and everyone in there was playing Marvel vs. Capcom 3. This, what I believe MVC 3 just came out like literally the week before and so all these people were playing mvc3 and as it turns out these people that were going to this uh, land party they were actually like members of the local fighting game community and we ended up going in there we talked to them we ended up playing uh, matches they taught us a bunch of stuff even stuff i didn't even know about at the time and we were there spamming out matches on street fighter 4 mvc3 and i think soul caliber 4 was the current game at the time i could be wrong but we played those and we played like every single game we could get our hands on until like eight o'clock in the morning we were playing for eight hours straight essentially and after that is kind of the point where i really got into fighting games because the community was so nice and welcoming and they taught me so many things and that's kind of what started started uh my love for fighting games essentially that's awesome so. now now all i have stuck in my head is go go twinkie rangers, <laughs> twinkie rangers. that's that's a pretty great origin story I, I like getting into a community like that i wish i had a story like that no it, for me it was mostly all solo yeah but unfortunately i don't think like land parties are really much of a thing because this happened probably towards the end of when land parties were even a thing you know not many people were going to them anymore you know, so, but I was very fortunate enough to encounter the uh, fighting game community here and made a lot of friends and just got into it from there. So Awesome. What about you, Yangus? Yeah, so for my case, um, I didn't have a whole lot of exposure to fighting games as a little kid. Like, my first experience with them was with a Smash Brothers 64, uh, mainly just because I saw, you know, those characters like Mario and Link and, you know, Pikachu and stuff together. And for a while, that was pretty much my only exposure to playing them i knew about like stuff like street fighter and uh some snk stuff like king of fighters and mainly uh characters from snk like terry bogard but it wasn't really until uh like gosh what was that like 2009 when nintendo power had this article covering uh, this upcoming fighting game from capcom called tatsunoko versus capcom that caught my eye at first i kind of was just like okay whatever it's an anime focused game like some of these other ones that i've seen come out well then i actually started watching some gameplay of it uh, on youtube and it was actually 
uh, funny enough, because I had mistaken one of the upcoming characters that they had announced as like a brand new addition to the cast as something else. And funny enough, it's actually one of the properties you guys are going to be talking about tonight, uh, Gundam. <laughs> I thought that one of the new characters they were adding, Tech Man Blade, was a Gundam character. And I'm like, oh, I recognize, uh, you know, Gundams. You know, I didn't really remember the name of the show or what happened in the show that well at the time. But when I looked into it up, it's like, oh, that's not a Gundam character. Never mind. But then when I started watching the actual gameplay, I'm like, oh, my God, this game looks amazing. It looks so fun and fast and, you know, really exciting. I uh, eventually got the game when it came out in early 2010 here in America on the Nintendo Wii. And pretty much from that, I've been a big fighting game fan ever since. Like most uh, major releases that have come out, I've bought them. I've bought indie ones, checked out a lot of older releases, too, like uh, Marvel vs. Capcom 2. Um, of course, still a big fan of Smash Brothers and some 3D fighters, too, like Tekken and Soul Calibur. But... Um, I've always had a lot of love for team-focused kind of tag team games, probably just, you know, getting my start with Tatsunova versus Capcom with the, it's you know, it's tag team uh, gameplay and stuff. And I usually watch stuff like Evo and you know, all that sort of thing. I'm not like, like, a, like a great player by any means, but I always enjoy, you know, getting a new fighting game and, you know, trying to figure things out or just uh, messing around with it with friends or like on the CPU and stuff. I, I don't really do a whole lot of online gameplay, to be honest, because I just <laughs> I know I get frustrated at it because it's just like, oh, I know how to do it. I'm <laughs> But then there's also people that are, you know, they're, you know, kind of condescending about it. it's like, oh, you can't do that, you know, just, you know, it's part of the territory. But it's, at the same time, it's just like, yeah, it's probably not good mental wise for me. So I, I don't play online unless it's with friends. Nope. Yeah, I'm the same way. So, um, yeah, I've played quite a few different fighting games over the years and some i've definitely liked more than others and i do admit have a soft spot for some older fighters as well too like a lot of them that i've played like whether it was in high school or in college that were like some older ones versus some of the newer ones i definitely found myself clicking with those a lot more but i think i think that's just more so just a personal thing because i'm i'm like that with a lot of other stuff too but uh, uh yeah i think that about covers my story i'm gonna publish it into a book and hope they make, make a movie <laughs> deal out of it but uh what about you pendy what's your what's your origin story so it was around maybe second or third grade when i was a little kid i would i was part of this bowling league and we were at this bowling alley we do it every sunday play our games and then afterwards there's this little arcade that the bowling alley had and in the arcade was street fighter 2 championship edition and for whatever reason that really caught my attention and i started playing the game i had no idea what i was doing just a little kid this would have been back in the 80s or no, in the 90s, would have been early 90s. And I just, I, I had fun with it. But I, like I said, I had no idea what to do with the move. So what I ended up doing was I ended up uh, really liking M. Bison. M. Bison, because I could just cheese it with him. My, my repertoire of moves was basically slide kick, the psycho crusher that where you hold back two seconds and then go forward with the, one of the punch buttons. And then if they blocked it, then I would try and throw them real quick. That was it. That was my move set, was those three things. A slide kick go across the screen and try and throw them. And that was it. <laughs> but it, I got the timing down and it served me well. And I was just a little kid, no idea. And my dad thought it was hilarious because sometimes he would see me play when he would come to pick me up. And he would see me play these older kids. These kids were like twice my age, twice my height. And they were playing with like Ryu and Ken and actually knew the moves and knew what they were doing. But I had the timing down so well that I was kicking their butt. So he thought that was hilarious that I was able to to do that cheesing, cheesing it with m bison so that's how i got into to fighting games i later got into the street fighter games uh, most of the games that i like are capcom fighting games and i really got into soul caliber as well those were fun uh, i never really got into mortal Kombat or into tekken that just wasn't really my thing um 
basically just the you know the versus games i really like a lot that's going to be one of the things i'll be talking about tonight and then mm-hmm. the other game i'm going to be talking about is not a capcom game but it's basically a street fighter ripoff so i mean it's in the same realm <laughs> of that type of game so that's how i got into all that stuff it's funny too you talk about like you just kind of figured out the timing and stuff when you were a kid with like m bison and street fighter 2 because uh, a similar story i have to that is um was when i was uh what was that? i was in high school like sophomore junior year if i remember right and we were we were at one of my buddies house playing uh, soul caliber 4 because uh, one of my friends had bought a copy and brought it over it was uh just what he just wanted to play it with us for a while and i i had never played I, I like at that point i had very little experience i don't think i actually had played like a 3d fighter like that where um you know you can move around like kind of up and down to as well as going mm. just left and right but uh what was it from just from my other experience with other fighting games i just kind of was learning as i was going and eventually my friend who did own that copy of the game was like he wasn't very happy that i was picking up things pretty quickly and was starting to win more i remember he ended up whipping out his uh special talent that he had made in the character customization that would heal herself every time she hit you with attacks and it's like okay so we're gonna do this sort of thing huh (laughs) It's just like, okay, yeah, if you're going to be like that, right, when we're just playing for fun, I'm not going to, you know, it, it, was, it was just funny. Looking back on it, it's just funny. At the time, it was like, oh, this is, you know, annoying. Like, why is he getting mad at me for figuring out how to play the game? <laughs> I like to, I like Soul Calibur because you could button, to a certain extent, you could button mash and you could just still pull off a lot of moves. So that, that made, it much, made, it, made it fun for me. You didn't have to be like super into it to pull off a lot of stuff. Maybe that's why he was mad I was figuring out stuff. I don't know. But I've never asked him about that. But I just, I just think back on that all the time and it just makes me laugh because it's like i'm just a kid who's trying to learn this game as we're playing and i'm pulling off this stuff whether i'm meaning to or not he's just getting like motherfuckers how dare you how dare you play as astaroth and win (laughs) but uh yeah anyway so yeah there are all our origin stories um You'll be able to read those in the console release when when the game comes out. You know, be in our biopics. You know, <laughs> you can't really see it in the arcade versions when you click us on the character select screen. You know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that dumb joke aside, uh, why don't we go ahead and get started with talking about our game? I think for tonight, how about we go in reverse order? So we'll start with you, Twinkie. We'll go to Barurian, then Pende. Do our first games and our second games. You guys good with that? Yeah, that's fine. All right, sure. All right, Twinkie, you are up first. Well, What's the first game? Mukin. So, as I mentioned before, at least for me, I love fighting games, I love playing them, but for me, the the big part of it is always the community. And what community and sub-community I can think of is Mugen. Basically, what Mugen is, it's not, it's less of a game and more of a game engine, but it allows you to, like, get characters that other um, creators made. So, sometimes they, like, rip them straight from, like, MVC2 or something, but sometimes other creators kind of create their own character and you can kind of get all these assets and stages you can kind of combine them into making your own build or version of the game and i absolutely love it the game's been around mugen's been around since 1999 it was originally developed for ms dos um it did switch it did switch over to linux in 2001 and i believe in 2003 is when it started getting Windows. And after that, it's kind of received updates here and there. Um, sorry. And it's received updates, but unfortunately, I think the last major update was back in 2013, so it hasn't been updated in a while. But there's like a hand, there's still a sizable community with it. They're still, con- they're still constantly building characters, stages. There's um, other communities that are kind of like actually making their own games with it. And I don't want to disrespect to the developers who are actually making their own games with it, but I think a big 
heart of Mugen is just finding whatever characters and stages you can find and just throwing them up in the wall and see what sticks and just having an absolute blast with it. Um, me and my friends, we used to have this thing where we um, call it terrible, um, terrible fighting game nights where we would just find the worst fighting games we could find, like Shaq Fu and whatnot. And part of the tradition was to get Mugen and we just throw all the broken characters we could find together and just sit there and just have a blast just toying around with all these different characters that would just one hit kills and all this stuff but I personally think Mugen is still the, the community still isn't like as big as it used to be but it's still around it's still active and if it's something that it interests anyone I strongly suggest looking into it it is a ton of fun I love how so many people over the years have built all these Dragon Quest characters that you can use in Mugen. Like I've seen like builds of Zoma and Blue Slime, all the different heroes and stuff like that. That's always been fun to see. I haven't really uh, played any of it, but I've seen a lot of videos based off some of those Dragon Quest characters that people have built. Yeah, there's like a handful. I know there's quite a few Elena characters out there. I think last I yeah. checked, there was like four or five of them. There's a couple of Dragon Lords. There's a couple of Zomas. There, like, you know, there's a lot of people developing a lot of characters too. So and there's going to be duplicates in each character. Is only, you know, they're kind of their own thing. But yeah, yeah and then, then you get like Homer Simpson and like Peter Griffin from Family Guy and all sorts of goofy characters. <laughs> Great move set. Hey, don't forget yeah. Barney the Dinosaur. That's the yeah. best. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I remember years ago, I found a YouTube video where uh, it was for uh, Muggin, or Mugen, um, and uh, what was it? It was a video of Homer versus Peter Griffin. Like, at the yeah. time, I'm like, there's a fighting game with these two? Then I learned about uh, Muggin then. But then I found a clip where it was Barney the Dinosaur versus, like, all of these, like, soup, like, the bosses from, like, these different fighting games and stuff. You know, like, uh, like Onslaught from Marvel versus Capcom 1, uh, like Akuma from his appearance in the original... Or, or uh, one of the versions of Street Fighter 2. I can't remember which one it is that he first appeared in, but it was like his first time showing up to him. He's super overpowered when you fight him. You know, just like, it was just really funny watching it because it's like, because when I learned then that it was, you know, this program that people used to make characters and, you know, do all this crazy stuff with it. It's like, that's actually really funny and really cool that people, you know, have just like thrown all these different characters and properties and stuff together just because, you know, hey, wouldn't this be fun? I love it. My, one of my favorite characters to come out of it is Ronald McDonald. That's <laughs> funny. And, and dark Ronald McDonald, the antithesis. <laughs> no, sp speaking of Mugen, have you guys ever heard of Salty Bet? Oh, don't give me. I was actually on Salty <laughs> Bet while I was writing up the stuff for this earlier today. No joke. So funny. Why don't you enlighten us on what Salty Bet is? So Salty Bet is basically a specialized version of the game that's live streamed. And what you do is that you get fake currency and you make bets on which character is going to win. And every, I forgot how often it is, but every so often they will start getting um, a tournament going. And each character is kind of like in their own tiers, like C, B, A, depending on how strong they are. And I believe the absolute most broken characters are considered X tier. And so once in a while, you'll have like a X tier tournament where you have these characters that will act like absolutely crash and break the game. And it's just so much fun just throwing fake money at it and just having fun with it. <laughs> but it's, fun. it's it's definitely worth checking out. It, it, it is really fun watching it. Literally, just go to saltybet.com. Yep, absolutely that, fun. That's nice. That's, that sounds like a really fun community where you can experiment with a lot of different uh, gaming system, fighting systems from the various franchises and characters and make up your own characters. Like, that's, I always thought 
that was really cool that that existed out there and it seemed to thrive pretty well. But uh, so, uh, Brian, what's uh, what's your first choice? So my first choice is going to be the game I talked about getting myself into fighting games, which was Samurai Showdown on the Super Nintendo specifically, because this game was an arcade game originally, but it's been ported to just about every system under the sun at this point. Um, It started on arcade, but it's been on, you know, the 3DO, it's been on the Game Boy, it's been on the Game Gear, it's been on, you know, several Neo Geo systems, the PlayStation. Uh, I think it's even gotten re-released in some of the new collections that they've been doing as they've been trying to bring back Samurai showdown but basically gosh what is there to say about it it's uh, it's an snk fighter first and foremost um and those were like the bee's knees back in the day like this game has kind of a weird story it like takes place in 18th century or in the 18th century and you kind of like choose characters from all around the world just like uh, Street Fighter 2. Um, what year was it released? And I think it was released in 1993. And um, around the time that this game came out, a lot of fighting games were set in kind of modern times and focused on more hand-to-hand combat like you would see in Street Fighter. This was one of the first, I believe, weapons-based fighting games out there, you know, similar to Samurai Shodan and all that kind of stuff, which is what really drew me into it. I really liked that. Every character had a unique weapon that they could use. And what was a lot of fun about it, it was that it was a very fast-paced fighting game to where, you know, SNK games like King of Fighters focus on building combos and stuff like that. This game was all about doing your quick and fast hits. And it had this really cool feature on when the, the heavier the blow, the more slowdown there was to kind of emphasize how hard you were being hit. And... Um, It had very elaborate backgrounds, ranging from, you know, Japan to South America to the made-up island of um, Onigari, I believe is what it was called. But it just had this kind of litany of interesting characters from from, uh, Hohamaru, which is the kind of poster child for the series as a whole. He's always—he's basically the Terry Bogart of Samurai Showdown. He's always, like, the front and center character. Um, And then I think they also had one of the biggest characters at the time who was aptly named Earthquake, who was this giant guy from from, from USA, and his weapon was a wrecking ball on a chain. Oh, yeah, he used, um, he had a scythe on the one end, too, so he could just throw that at you. (laughs) Yeah, and in some of the later games, he shows up with um, another character, like a little tiny Freddy Krueger-looking guy that kind of does some alternate hits for him wait so are you, wait are you talking about chain from king of fighters because he has the ball and chain and he has Choi that helps him out as the, like, oh freddy krueger guy i might just be thinking of two different characters yeah. uh no but no you, you are right though about earthquake being from the u.s though because he is like like i think he was like one of the biggest playable like character sprites back in the day i think yeah he still is considered one of the biggest ones too uh definitely but, at the time but as later samurai showdown games came out i think they made bigger and bigger characters just because they could Oh, yeah. But, like, there's uh, a demon that shows up in, I think it's K- in uh, Samurai Showdown 5, if I remember right. And I think he's pretty big, too, from what I remember. Is it he's the like one a- with, like, the bone, like, the the sharp bone arm? Yes. Yeah. I forget what his name is. Yeah, he's pretty gruesome, though. Like, he will, if you win with him and some, or, like, use some of his uh, super moves, he'll actually eat the opponent, especially if they're at low HP and he defeats them. Like, they'll just be eaten. <laughs> and then they just magically reappear if there's another round after there, that. There, there you go. <laughs> But uh, an interesting thing about this game is that it, while it was made by uh, SNK, um, it was programmed by uh, Capcom and SNK employees. So it was kind of a little joint venture, which I don't think a lot of people know. 
Another fun thing about it is it had this kind of little in the home console version, at least the arcade version definitely allowed this. But there was this thing to where if your strikes met under right conditions, you would do this thing to where you would fight back and forth to see who would like knock the other person back. And you would get this thing of, you know, wiggle your 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 deep head left and right real fast and you'll knock the other player off to where the developer, one of the producers of the game later said, oh, in the console version, that actually doesn't do anything. It's just chosen at random. Oh, so there's no chance that you will definitely win. It's a flip of the coin, basically. I remember they, they would do that kind of thing in a Budokai, the Dragon Ball Budokai games, where you have to do a thing and lock yeah. hands and have to press buttons, and, and whoever could do it the, the best could would win that little show, a showdown. So the, the two guys that I played as the most were Ukyo and Hanzo, who were both Japanese fighters. Um, I also like that you could play as the boss in kind of a secret way if you put you know input a special secret code and stuff yep. like that. But yeah, SNK is pretty good about that too. Um, where in some of their fighters, especially the arcade releases, if you knew like special codes, you w- could uh, play as boss characters. Then, like I know um, Gar- uh, Garou Mark of the Wolves, which is part of the Fatal Fury series, that has uh, a few codes you can use to play as the two uh, end game bosses, uh, Grant and um, Kane. So, it, yeah, it's cool that uh, Samurai Showdown had the same thing, too. I didn't know about that, actually. Oh, yeah. It also, it also had this really cool feature of um, it would zoom as you fought the battle. Like, if you would do these heavier attacks or, you know, jump high in the air, there was this zoom function that would happen in the arcade version and some of the home console ports. But on some of them, notably the Super Nintendo one, I remember, especially had that problem to where they just took it out. So it stayed zoomed out. So character sprites looked smaller than mm-hmm. other versions of it, mm-hmm. which gave you more screen space to work with. But it made the characters look tiny. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's uh, that's Samurai Showdown. It's It was a commercial success. It's you know it's got half a dozen games at this point, if not more. I remember playing the original in a Pizza Hut, and I remember being awful at it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, my, yeah, it's 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 not an easy game to pick no. up and play. By no, any it means, is hard. Unfortunately, it, it is a hard series. Like I've played, um, I actually have the one of the collections you were talking about, Brewer in. Um, I bought it on my Switch where it has like uh, Samurai Showdown 1 through 5 and the special edition of 5 with it, which is like, you know, the updated re-release or whatever. But, yeah. um, you know, I've played the different games over the years and um, it, it, it is a harder fighter to get into because it is a slower fighting game, too, because, you know, you have to really kind of read your opponent's moves. And if you hit, get like those heavy slashes, you're going to do a ton of damage. But, you know, it's not like, um, you know, Street Fighter or something where or not like Street Fighter. Um, It's not like um actually, you know, like you said, like with SNK's like King of Fighters, where, you know, there's some combos that you can do if you know the right button combos. It's not really a combo heavy game. It's more like, oh, no, you know, it you, is not. You get like a, maybe a two or three hit combo, but it's it's more about trying to catch your opponent off guard yeah you want to you you want to slam them with those heavy hits that's mm-hmm. what you want to do that's that's the point of the game is to get in and get a few quick taps in but you want to you want to try to uh lay them down hard and heavy i yeah, see so you yeah. can drop your weapon in this game and watching a video of it yeah you can that's really cool and you yeah. can drop your weapons both at the same time too because that's happened to me a ton you know you smack your opponent in the air when they're trying to do a, a, a down air attack on you mm-hmm. and both of your weapons will just go flying across the stage and you have to run over and like press down to pick it up yeah, yeah it's fun too because you if there are certain times where you can knock your opponent's uh, weapon out of their hands and it's just like like okay get him <laughs> like get him now before 
before yeah, they pin, can retaliate. Pin them into a corner. That way, <laughs> none of their attacks do any damage because they don't have their weapon. Because mm-hmm. that's that's the whole crux of it. Is it's a weapon fighter, and I thought that that was the coolest thing at the time. It also got me into Soul Calibur because I just loved the concept of weapon fighting. Yeah, yeah, I'm not the best when it comes to playing this game, but I think it'd be fun. I think it'd be more fun with uh, multiple people. Oh, absolutely. Or, or with more people, more than just one player, because like just because uh, from my experiences of playing uh, uh, arcade modes only, for the most part, the CPU is like really smart in these games. Like it's it's, it's, it's like scary smart. It's like it's super brutal. And a um, lot of those arcade games do like they do input reading, so they know what you're gonna do. Yeah, like it's, like other SNK games are just as bad too, but. Man, even when you put this game on like the easy, these games on the easiest difficulty, they can still like just beat the shit out of you. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, the, the Super Nintendo version, even on easy mode, like the first two rounds give you a run for your money. Yeah, it's this is definitely one I would more so recommend playing with friends if you can, because you'll, you'll you'll have a much better time. <laughs> but um, yeah, I've even though I'm not the best at it and I have my frustrations with it, I do really like a lot of the character designs and you know, the kind of the flow of the game, too, because um, there, there's some really cool characters that are in this series and ones that, um, like, even to this day that have appeared in other SNK properties, like, uh, actually, just a few years ago when uh, KOF 14 came out, uh, it actually was one of the first times where um, a Samurai Showdown character appeared in the series uh, via, uh, via Nakamura, or what's her name? Nakamura, oh, gosh, what is that girl's the- name? Is it the, the hot, hot, hot girl? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's Nakaruru if I remember correctly. Uh, apologies like if I that, have, yeah. yeah. Apologies I don't, if I have that. I don't. To the... I definitely don't have the full character roster memorized. Oh, the I, hot girl. I, I've seen her. I remember her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's, yeah, she's probably she's one of the more popular characters. Oh yeah. But um, you know, there's characters like her, and then you have you know, of course, characters like Earthquake, and you know, some of these other folks that have been in there. Like one of my favorite characters has always been. Um, Oh goodness! What is? I can never. I'm terrible with the names from this series. But uh, it was this gal that was introduced, and I believe. The, no, actually, no. He was from the first one. He is this um, Kabuki style dancer, a fighting character. He oh, he's got like, like a, a big yellow, yellow thing. I was just watching him on a video. I know who he's you're talking got, about. Oh gosh, what, Yeah, he's got like the big like Naginata spear. He yep. has like the painted face. Are you, long, about, are you talking about Tam Tam? No, I'm not talking about um, the like the tribal warrior guy. Oh, okay. He he's the guy where he always is like hopping on one foot when he's walking around. Like it's it's like um. Oh, it's uh, either it's Kaioshiro. Might be him. Let me double check here. It's either because I'm watching him fight in the video right now. It's I think it's Kaioshiro. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's him. Yeah, Kabuki is definitely an apt yep. description yep. of his style, of what he looks like. Yep, it's Kaioshiro. He's always been one of my favorite characters because, for one, I just kind of like how he has such a unique look to him, and you know that they brought in that. I think it's Kabuki style. I think that's what. I think oh, that's supposed. That. That's absolutely Kabuki. Yeah. Okay. So um, I, I just have always liked his style and just how, you know, he's kind of like a goofy character, too, compared to some of the other ones. Because, you know, a lot of the characters, they make him portray him as being a little more on the serious side. And, you know, there's a few that are kind of silly, too. But I like with him that, you know, it's supposed to, like, represent, you know, you know, it's a very classic uh, image of Japan that some people might have with Kabuki dancing and, you know, with the u- unique face painting and um in that kind of style form. But I love it that when you play as him then, especially in um, from <laughs> from footage I've seen of the recent uh, entering the series, um, that's ju- also just called Samurai Showdown, where he his voice actor was must have just been told, just have fun with your lines, because <laughs> he, he has some great ones, especially when he uses like his little projectile text. He goes like, oh, Shani! <laughs> like, I, I love it when they let the voice actors just have fun when they do like move calls, because... 
Oh yeah. You know, guys are good. That what makes, that's what helped make them memorable. <laughs> but uh, yeah, is there anything else you had about um, Samurai Shodown Brewery? No, nope, that's that's basically it. It's it's a very simple fighting game. Uh, you know, it definitely gets expanded on in further further games. But I just wanted to talk about where it started because it was my introduction to fighting games. All right. Well, Mr. Pendy, I think that means you're up next. What's your first game? Gotcha. So my first game is a Frankenstein's monster of Street Fighter mechanics and big-ass robots. So it is Gundam Battle Assault 2 for the PlayStation 1. It was released in North America in July of 2002 and then in Japan in October of 2002 with a power release the next month. The game was actually developed by Natsume, and it was specifically designed for North American audiences and was produced to help hype up Mobile Fighter G Gundam that was about to air on TV during the Toonami block on Cartoon Network. So that's no surprise as each of the major G Gundam characters and their mobile suits are featured among the game. Personally, uh, I kind of dislike G Gundam, never really got into that anime, but I do love the mobile suit designs that came out of it. The diverse skill sets that come out of each one of the mechs are very a lot of fun to play with. And it's not just limited to G Gundam either. There are characters that are mobile suits from Gundam Wing and various other Universal Century Timeline Gundam series. So there's a total of 30 mobile suits in all that you can unlock and choose from. And what's great is that you can also unlock the ridiculous boss characters that they have in the game as well. So like for instance, you've got this uh, Big Zam, which is this humongous bipedal mobile suit monstrosity that takes up almost like half the screen. <laughs> Um, or you can go in the other direction and have fun with mechs like the RB-79 ball. And that's just a simple ball-shaped machine with two little arms and a small cannon mounted on top. The variety of units you can play is fantastic. I love it. So the game has five different modes. It's got versus, time attack, survival, and street. Street mode is just their way of saying story mode. In this mode, you are limited to eight characters, which I would call hero characters that you can run through, and it's going to be based off what Gundam franchise they are from is what story you're going to get. It even features the voice acting from the dub, dub actors from their respective Gundam series uh, at the time, so that was cool. So if you were big into Gundam Wing, like those voice actors from the show that were airing on Cartoon Network did the game as well, which is pretty cool. So when it comes to fighting, the setup is a basic 2D side-scrolling Street Fighter-like style, with a few quirks thrown in to make it stand out as a Gundam fighter. If you're used to Street Fighter with quarter circles, half circles, and sure you can type motions, then you're all set for this game. Uh, certain moves a unit can do will require ammo. Once you're out of ammo, you can't use the move anymore. Uh, almost every unit has a mega special attack that you can use three times in the match. All units have like this three block long boost gauge. You can use this for a few different functions. You can do a regular boost that will send you catapulting into the air in the direction you choose. You can do a quick dodge to the side, you can put up a beam barrier, or you can even take to the air and just kind of fly around as you want as the gauge slowly depletes itself. Now, if you get close to your opponent, you can do a quick grab and it'll stun them, or you can do a follow-up attack, which is nice. And HP is determined by armor bars. You'll get at least three bars of armor health. Once a bar is depleted, you'll go down in an overheating state where you'll fall down and be stunned for a brief second. You can also dash back or forwards with a quick double tap on the stick or or uh, doing the directional buttons. Now, you do have to be careful of certain uh, beam sort of attacks that some characters have because they are unblockable, which is interesting. And all of this sounds like a lot, but it's really super simple. If you love Gundam and simple Street Fighter motions for controls, you'll love this game and its vast variety of characters to use. Now, on a side note, there are actually five games in this series. The first one was, really, was actually Japan only, and the last one that transitioned to more of a full 3D setup 
was North America only. So I thought that was cool. Um, and fun fact, <laughs> the initial release of Gundam Battle Assault 2, uh, the Gundam, spelled G-U-N-D-A-M, was spelled G-U-N-D-U-M on the spine of the CD case in a printing error. It was later corrected with further printings. My copy must have been an earlier release as I have this spelling error on my game right on the spine. The Gundam. That's how you know you're a true fan. (laughs) So anyone else uh, ever play this game? I did not know this game existed, but if I had, I would have played the heck out of it. Oh, it's fantastic. I was I was really getting into Gundam at the time, thanks to Wing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was right at the the uh, the end of uh, Wing airing on Cartoon Network, and right before they started doing all the G Gundam stuff. I Never played, played this one myself, but uh, like like I said earlier, uh, Gundam is always one of those things that's always stuck with me, though. Even though I don't really know that much about it, just from seeing what I have on TV. But uh, sorry, Twinkie, what were you going to say? Oh, I just said, I was saying I have played it, but I can't tell you anything about it because I don't remember anything about the game. It's been so long. But yeah, it's it's super like I said, it's super simple controls. It's basically just like half circle and a, and a button or like a or a quarter circle and a button. And that does like most of everybody's stuff. <laughs> um, but uh, it's and it's got like, the, like I said before, it's got like the voice acting from the, the different uh, dub actors. So, like, for example, there's that famous uh, scene in Gundam Wing where uh, Hiro Yui uh, is talking to the was it princess or whatever. I can't remember her name, but he's like, I'll kill you. And and it's like a famous scene that, from the game. And he says he says that line like right after he does one of his mega supers. He's like, I'll kill you. And then unleashes his t- double barrel shotgun, laser beam shotgun at people. Hmm. But yeah, that's all I got for uh, for Battle Assault 2. What, uh, what do you got, uh, Yangus? All right. Well... For mine, I am going to be talking about uh, one of the games that I mentioned in the in my little intro there at the beginning of the episode, and the game that uh, to this day is still one of my favorite fighting games and one of my favorite games. Um, what like what I would put in probably my top ten favorite games list, uh, and that is Tatsunoko versus Cap. Uh, first things first, what the heck is Tatsunoko? Well, I'll be glad to tell you, even though if you may not have asked, uh, Tatsunoko Productions is a animation company that's been in Japan for. I believe the 1960s is when it was first founded, maybe the late 1950s. Uh, they've been around in Japan for decades, and pretty much comparison-wise, uh, they would be like the Hanna-Barbera of Japan, where they have a lot of famous characters that a lot of different generations over there would recognize, like uh, Science Ninja Gachamon, uh, Speed Racer, or Mach Racer, or Mach Go Go Go, as he's called over there. Um, I don't remember what the original Japanese name for this series is, but over here in the States, another one that's really was well-known was Samurai Pizza Cats, which was another one of their properties. Uh, if you happen to watch Toonami in like the early to mid-2000s, they had properties like Chorus and uh, Cash On on uh, Toonami slash uh, Late Night Adult Swim. But they've been around for a very long time. Typically, they do like kids and young adult animations uh, a lot of like superhero stuff younger kid animation stuff you know they have quite a wide variety of stuff, uh, a vast library let me say anyway so how this game came about tatsunoko versus capcom was thanks to tatsunoko productions asking capcom to make a game featuring their characters uh the team at capcom at the time you know we're trying to come up with an idea and eventually they kind of settled on a fighting game and then they thought hey what if we did a crossover fighting game with Tatsunoko characters, you know. Thus, we ended up with the next entry in the Capcom Versus series, which hadn't seen an entry for several years. I believe at that point, the last one that had come out in the Capcom Versus series was Capcom Versus SNK 2, 
which was back in the early 2000s, like 2000, 2001, somewhere around there. So it was a pretty big deal. And this was the first time that there was going to be a 3D versus game in the series. Uh, this There were three versions of this game. Uh, first was the arcade original released in like late 2007, early 2008. Uh, there was the Japanese Wii release in late 2008 uh, called the Cross Generation of Heroes, or with the subtitle Cross Generation of Heroes, excuse me. And to everyone's surprise, Capcom announced at E3 uh, 2009 that the game was going to be coming overseas with the new subtitle uh, Ultimate All-Stars. This is a game that a lot of people did not think was going to see a release outside of Japan because with all of the copyright issues for the Tatsunoko characters that they, that Capcom is going to have to go through, a lot of fighting game fans expected that this game was going to stay uh, Japan only for, uh, you know, just for its entire life. Uh, to everyone's surprise, Capcom, you know, went through the hoops and got was able to uh, get the character licenses. They were able to work things out and created the international version for all of us on the uh, in the West to enjoy. Uh, Tatsunoko versus Capcom uh, features a let's see. Uh, the game features characters from different decades of Tatsunoko's animation works and from different console generations on Capcom's side. Thus, we have the the original subtitle of Cross Generation of Heroes. Uh, the cast for both sides includes a lot of characters that tend to be a little more action-focused. Uh, on the Tatsunoko side, there are more superhero slash action star type characters, while on the Capcom side, there were more um, focused on the different console generations slash um, trying to represent uh, different entries in a series, or in some cases just with an, its own title, with one character uh, per entry, just depending on the situation. Uh, on the Tatsunoko side, we had Ken the Eagle, June the Swan, and Joe the Condor from Science Ninja Gachaman, uh, Kashurn and his dog assistant Frender from Neo Reuter Kashurn, Tekaman from Tekaman the Space Knight, Polymar from Her Hurricane Palomar, Yatterman number one, Yatterman number two, and Duranjo, along with Boyaki and Tanzura from Yatterman, Ipatsuman from Time Bokan Ipatsuman, Tekaman Blade from the show of the same name, Tekaman Blade, or as it was called over here, uh, Technomly, uh, Technoman Blade, uh, Cars from the show of the same name, and Gold Lighton from Gold Lighton, the Golden Warrior, uh, the giant character for the Tatsunoko side. Unfortunately, due to the licensing issues, we did end up losing a character. Uh, this cut character was Hakshin Daimao from the Genie family, which was uh, one of the representatives from Tatsunoko who was kind of the show, the more uh, child-focused slash, you know, younger audience uh, side of their library. Because he was a lot more cartoony in design than the other heroes, because a lot of them, you know, more action heroes or like superhero type characters. Uh, on the Capcom side, we had Ryu, Chun-Li, and Alex from Street Fighter 1, 2, and 3, respectively, uh, just to represent the different generations of Street Fighter. Uh, you had Morgan from Darkstalkers, Batsu from Rival Schools, Kaijin Nosoki from Onimusha, Mega Man Volnut, Roll, and Zero from Mega Man Legends, the original series, and the X series, respectively. I gotta I got uh, stop you for a second. Is, is, I'm watching a video of this, and it, it features Roll. Does she use a broom? She to does. Fight? Oh my god, okay. <laughs> yep. And unlike Marvel vs. Capcom 2, Roll is not the worst character in the game anymore. Hooray! <laughs> She's no longer reg regulated a roll tier. She's actually very good. <laughs> wow. With a sweep, uh, a sweep in her enemies, I guess. Oh, yeah. she's She uses cleaning to its uh, full power. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, we have Saki from, and I probably do not have this name correct, but this is what I remember off the top of my head. Uh, Quiz Nanori No Dreams, which was pretty much a dating sim arcade game in the 90s. So <laughs> definitely an out-of-left-field pick from Capcom. Uh, we had Beautiful Joe 
from the Beautiful Joe series, Frank West from Dead Rising, and PTX40A, one of the models of robots you could use uh, from the Lost Planet. Or from Lost Planet. Uh, he was the giant character for the Capcom side. So you had a pretty good variety of playable characters uh, to select from. Uh, you know, in most Western players' cases, uh, they weren't really familiar with a lot of the Tots and Hogo characters, but everyone is pretty easy to learn and pick up. Uh, there's a great way you can, like, uh, play with the game, turning on the special moves so you can see them on the top of the screen or, like, on the bottom of the screen while you're playing, so you can figure things out. But moving on from that, this uh, fighting game is a tag team fighter. Uh, your buttons include your light, medium, and heavy attacks and your partner attack button. Uh, you can perform crossover combos, aerial raid attacks where one character is swapped uh, in for the other. You have your crossover, what do they call them, variable combinations where it's like you can either like swap back and forth between one character's special move and another character's special move to continue a combo or you can use both at once for a lot of damage. Uh, you have guard assaults where your partner character is swapped into counter while you are uh, blocking an attack or while your partner or while your uh, rival is blocking you. Try and catch your opponents off guard and a lot of different uh, means to get around combat. Uh, unfortunately, with this game, you cannot choose your partner character's assist attack like you could in some older uh, Capcom versus games. But for the most part, everybody had assists that were pretty easy to work with. A few were a little more harder than others, like um, I know the one of the harder ones is Joe the Condors because his was his gunshot that travels up in an arc, which is good for anti-air, but uh, as far as um, comboing, it can be a little trickier depending on what character you play. But um, let's see. So as I mentioned just a little bit ago for the characters, uh, this game was is so far the only versus game that features giant characters. Each side had its own giant, Gold Lighton from Tatsunoko and PDX-40A, for Capcom. Uh, they can't have a partner character, but they have much larger health pools than the other characters and have permanent super armor in most situations. Uh, their combos are harder to pull off on characters, uh, especially since, you know, a lot of the smaller characters can get around a little easier. But if they can start getting their damage in, they can really hurt. And if they're fighting one of the other giant characters, whether it's, you know, a mirror match or the other opponent, uh, they will be able to do combos like normal. And it's pretty fun when you do one of the combos uh, as Gold Lighton against, um, like, another Lighton player or against uh, PDX48. Uh, I should note, though, that both of the giant characters are considered on the lower tier side, especially Gold Lighton, who even with all the balance changes and stuff was still considered a low tier in Ultimate All-Stars. But his battle cries and his voice acting are top tier. He is the S he is like the triple S plus ranked character of this game just for his battle cries alone, especially when he wins a match and he yells out Gold Lighton <laughs> at the top of his lungs. Like, again, you could just tell his voice actor was just having a, a heyday with what he was doing and just going all out over the top. I absolutely love it. And Gold Lighton, he'll always have a special place in my heart, even even if he's not the best character in the game. <laughs> but moving on from that, the biggest gameplay inclusions in Tatsunoko vs. Capcom are the Baroque system, where you sacrifice some red life to extend your combos and essentially reset your character position, and the Mega Crash system, where you sacrifice two super bars uh, to get opponents off of you to a full screen distance. It's I, I personally really love the Mega Crash system in this game, and I frankly I'm really surprised that more fighting games, you know, especially these like tag team crossover styled fighters, don't implement this more, especially for combo heavy ones like Marvel vs. Capcom 3 or Dragon Ball Fighters where they don't have this mega crash system to try and get your opponents off. Because, you know, there is a meta around it where it's like, well, do 
use it to try and get your opponent off, your opponent try and bait you to use it, so then you end up wasting meters and make yourself free. It, you know, it's it's a very interesting metaphor, and like that's what I've always enjoyed about that as well. And really, it's just nice too because if you're playing against somebody who's really pressuring you and you realize they're not going to let up, you can use the mega crash as like the get off me button at the cost of two of your super meter bars. But um, all of the gameplay explanation stuff aside, uh, Toss and Open versus Capcom, uh, it does hold a really special place in my heart and uh, in my gaming library because, uh, as I said in the opening, this is one of the fighting games that really got me into fighting games. Like, at that point, I had no experience with stuff like Street Fighter or... Um, the other Capcom versus games. So this was a fighting game where I had to learn how to play, you know, a proper fighter and figure out how combos worked, how to, you know, chain your super move or your special moves and your super moves into it. And um, this was probably one of the best games to figure that out with, because um, with this game only having, you know, a three button uh, focus for like your light mediums and heavies and your partner button, it was easy enough to figure out that, you know, for most characters, you can do like standing light into crouching light to medium, sustaining medium to crouching medium for a lot of, you know, just kind of figure out the basics. Then you can move on to a little more complicated stuff. So it was really great to learn that and sort of get my feet wet with fighting games in general. This is also one of the fighting games where I actually went out and bought the special arcade stick for. Uh, Capcom had teamed up with Mad Cats to make a Tatsunoko versus Capcom themed fighting arcade stick. Uh, it's the only one that I own and I still have it sitting on my shelf. And with the original box too, and let me tell you that was ninety dollars, well worth, or like was like ninety hundred bucks, well well spent on that. I think from all the years that I've had this game, I've put like 500 hours into it, just messing around with it. Uh, back in the day, I played a ton of online with the Capcom Unity group that this uh, game had on uh, uh, Capcom's official like fan forum website. Uh, shout out to any of uh, you guys if you happen to know this podcast and listen to it. <laughs> if you remember me with the name Hawkshin Daimao, uh, that is me. That is Yangus. That is, that is I. <laughs> but... Um, this is a game that I have been a part of the I was part of the community for for a very long time. I'm, it was super cool to see that even to this day, it's still played a lot inside tournaments at, uh, you know, big events. There's people that have also figured out a way to help keep uh, online play going for it, even though the, the Wii online servers have shut down. You know, people you know, have workarounds for it and everything. But it's it's cool that for, you know, this game being sort of the game that never had a chance that it did end up coming out over here and it ended up becoming one of the, you know, the best games that I've played in my life because, and it is just because I do have nostalgia for it probably, but it's a very well-made fighting game too. Like it's probably one of the better balanced fighters I've seen as well. Like there's definitely some broken shit like a zero who is just ridiculously good as a playable character, especially um, with this combo game and everything. But, gosh, you know, I could just I could really just gush about this game like just <laughs> if I didn't stop myself because there's oh, there's so many things I've learned from playing it over the years, uh, from messing around with it, from watching tournaments um, and not just with the game itself, but like the characters as well. Because like when I originally first uh, was finding out about this game and actually you might like this comment, Brewery, um, one of the things that caught my eye about this one and made me interested in the first place was that Mega Man Volnut was in it. And it's like, hey, I know that character. I, I played that uh, Mega Man game on the N64 back in the day that he was from. <laughs> oh, man, you played the rough version of it then. I did. But <laughs> well, not that I was very good at it anyway, but he was one of those characters that I instantly recognized. And it's like, hey, I know that. Um, I was, that, that that's a Mega Man that I recognize. 
guys. I was excited that it was Volna and not like regular classic Mega Man or even Mega Man X because up until that point, he had never... No, I can't say that. He had... He was never included in a game that had been released over here, I guess you could say. But uh, he was in Namco cross Capcom mm-hmm. for the PS2 in Japan. But mm-hmm. it was really cool to be able to play in, play as him in a fighting game. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And what I've loved about it, too, is that um, when it was getting the international release, um, they had to unfortunately cut, you know, Hakushin Daimao. But they were like, Wait, we're going to add three more um Tatsunoko characters, we're gonna add two Capcom characters. The two Capcom characters were Frank West and Zero, who were, you know, you know, big fan favorites from Capcom players. And uh, you know, with obviously with the licensing stuff, there was only so much they could do with their characters. But it's been very interesting learning all the behind the scenes stuff over the years for this game from being a part of that community because uh like it was really cool because back in the day, like oh, on the Capcom unity boards, we learned a lot of behind the scenes stuff for why certain characters, you know, had issues. Like I know we learned that like Hawkshin Daimao, why he was cut was that apparently his uh, copyright holders in Europe, uh, I think it was in Italy, if I remember correctly. Italy specifically, because in uh, in Italy, way, way back in the 90s, they got the rights and aired the show out there. So when it came, the reason why they cut it basically is because the game has worldwide online and because it the the online was global it wasn't like japan had their servers and america had their servers it was all together and because they couldn't get the okay from the italian rights holders at the time they had to completely remove the character from the uh re-release of the game because i think the initial release of the game had hawkshaw daimo in it no he was cut entirely he was oh, uh, it wasn't cut entirely yeah when uh, cap so when capcom did were at e3 that year uh, in 2009 uh when they had the playable teasers and stuff for it like all of the characters were present from the previous build of the game which was cross generations of heroes for the nintendo wii but there was a very noticeable absent spot on the roster where at the end of it where epoxy man was because where he is he was at on the old character select screen uh hawkshin diamond was on the slot like right above him well that slot was mysteriously empty so yeah he he was completely removed he was not in any international release whatsoever it wasn't no, that's like what, they, that, that's what i mean is he was in the original like yeah yeah he's in the japan only release yeah, yeah. Well, then when he, they came to ultimate yeah. all-stars he got the boot entirely right which is a real shame because, um, and it was cool that the people at the Capcom Unity stuff were telling us, you know, kind of this behind the scenes info as well. But um, yeah, just to make a long story short, then since I don't want to keep rambling on and on, I have a lot of love for Tatsunoko versus Capcom. It's one that I've played to death, and probably if this game ever gets a re-release, which I highly doubt it will, I will play the shit out of it all over again <laughs> and like mess with it, play it online, do everything all over again because I love this game to death. It, <laughs> I have like a big wall scroll poster for it i have the little trading cards that capcom did oh wow. i have I, yeah i i have a lot of memorabilia stuff from this game like it, it is one that even though you know I, I you know i could gush and gush about it it is one that i think it is a very well-made fighting game especially for it being like their very first attempt 3d versus fighter and with um you know especially with a lot of characters that like people outside of japan are not going to be as attached to uh, you know like oh, versus like the marvel characters like from marvel oh, versus capcom dude when when they announced it over here and it was like I mean, I was familiar with with Tatsunoko because I've always been in the the kind of anime game. In fact, I was excited because I was like, "Whoa, Ipatsu Man is going to be on it." I love Ipatsu Man so much, 
He's like nice. a baseball themed superhero with a mech. Oh, yeah, he's a yeah. He is he, he's great. Oh, there are so many good characters in this game too from both sides. It's it's got such a fun roster of characters. I I always loved it. I loved it too because I heard the theme song of his before I saw the character. So I hear in the background, Ipatsuman, and I was just like, no way. And of course, he was in it. It was very interesting to see that they Capcom of all people did a crossover game with Tatsunoko, like especially outside of Japan, to where basically everybody knows more or less nothing about ninety percent of the properties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you know that that was my case for, and that's why originally I like kind of glanced over it until Techman Blade was announced, where I mistook him as a Gundam character. You know, started watching gameplay, and I'm like, oh, this looks really fun. And um, actually, before the game even came out here in America. I and I remember doing a ton of research on like the different characters and stuff from Tatsunoko that were yeah. going to be in the game and like watching the theme songs on like YouTube and I mean you know, reading the, articles the... and stuff you know so by the time the game came out I was at least a little more familiar with all of the characters you know aside from actually you know playing as them but you know being at least understanding you know why it was cool that some of these characters were uh, brought into the game in the first place. Yeah, I'm the the one that everybody was probably going to be familiar with the most was um you know gosh. What are they called over here? Battle of the Planets, I think. Oh, are you talking about like the Science Ninja Gachaman? Yeah, they had they had like some different names too. Yeah, G-Force. yeah, yeah. I watched I watched uh, Gachaman as a kid growing up because they had they called it G Force back when I watched it, and uh, that was one of the ones I was familiar with. And I remember having a little bit of a crush on the the pink pink girl. <laughs> had a crush on June, huh? Yeah, yeah <laughs> but but it, it would be that. It would probably be Kashern as well because Kashern has made like several minor like releases over here over the years but we've mm-hmm. it's never gotten super popular and then maybe the Yatterman but then everybody else like Ipatsu Man um Doranjo Polymar especially Karis nobody like none of that stuff ever left Japan yeah Karis was it, like when researching all that apparently like stuff like Karis and one of the reboot series for um uh, Kasher they did uh, air on TV over here I think it was Toonami if I remember right but it was like later night broadcasting so you know Probably when most people were like, you know, asleep. Because <laughs> I have found English, like official English dubs of uh, Chorus over the years. Which yeah, and is- I think, yeah, and I think even when like G Force like aired over here, it was like one of those shows where like Sailor Moon, where they'd throw it at like five in the morning or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, because I, I have seen from again just going back to like my Capcom Unity days, where a number of people like in like Mexico and like South American countries, a lot of them were actually pretty familiar with some of these Tatsunoko properties. So you know, it could have just been like a regional thing too, like like maybe in North America. <clears throat> they just didn't have them as prominently as some stuff of theirs, like uh, you know Speed Racer, because a lot of people you know recognize that one. Even people that didn't like necessarily watch the show, they know about Speed Racer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's anime that have like not gone to North America, but have gone to like France or Mexico or something like that, and got like super huge, and then we never like heard of it until like decades later. Like like even with Dragon Quest, you've got like you've Die. Got Die that's like <laughs> super big in other countries, but never saw the light of day in North America. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, that's what I have to say about Tatsunoko versus Capcom. It's a really fun fighter. Uh, if you're looking to uh, pick up some games for your Nintendo Wii, if you're feeling kind of nostalgic, uh, try and see if you can find a copy of this game. It, it, it is a lot of fun. And um, it's interesting, too, because it actually, like, on different websites that I've seen where they talk about, like, you know, some of the best Nintendo Wii games, this one is always one that does seem to end up towards the tops of the list. That I, Like, on IGN and, like, and Nintendo Power's own um uh, like countdown list for like the best Wii games before the the system uh, ended. Like they put Tatsunoko, I think, in like the top five, and that's like wow, that's pretty good. 
especially for a Nintendo-focused magazine where you know you'd normally see like Zelda or Mario taking up some of the top spots. <laughs> That's nice. Sadly, I've never played this game. Like it, I, it took me a very long time for I, I eventually got a Wii. It got got into it really late, and I just never got around to trying this game or, or getting it. But it looks fun. Oh yeah, it it's, is. It very is. Yeah, it's. Uh, have you played this one, Twinkie? Uh yeah. Uh, my experience is pretty limited. I never owned it, but honestly, the big appeal for me when I found out about this game was actually PTX. 408 because i am a huge lost planet fan when that when um that came out on the xbox 360 i no lifed lost planet non-stop <laughs> until like the online scene died so when i found out about this game my friend of mine picked it up and we played it and it was a lot of fun i really enjoyed my time with it in fact i would even go to say it says one of the most unappreciated underappreciated fighting games out there Definitely, I agree. Sure. I agree with that sentiment wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, this game, unfortunately, unfortunately, like a few months after it came out, Capcom were like, oh, hey, by the way, Marvel vs. Capcom 3 is going to be coming. And yep. all attention got shifted over to that game instead from yep. like from everybody. <laughs> Capcom, I feel like that was, you know, I get it. They got to promote what they have to promote. But it was like, oh, you sent this game out to die. Then what are you doing? <laughs> well, hey, I mean, at least at least we got it. You know, I mean, oh, yeah. The, like you were saying, it's like, a lot of support too. Yeah, it's 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 like you were saying, like everyone thought, like ah, oh, there's no way this is coming over, but it, at least they made a release of it, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, and like I said, there are still a lot of side tournaments for it, at, um, like Evo and uh, Combo Breaker. Uh, CEO stuff like that. So I mean, there's still very much a fan base for it, which is super awesome. And I'm, I'm glad to see that there are people that are helping keep this game alive. But yeah, um, I'll wrap things up now for that one because we got some more games to talk about. So Twinkie, we're gonna jump back to you. What's I your second game you want to talk? About? Might be feeling a little guilty about this one. <laughs> got to channel the Platy M3 well, a little bit. Uh, I guess we better gear up, huh? Oh. So yep, it would be Guilty Gear Exert or Zerd, however you want to pronounce it. I, I'm still not 100% sure on how it's pronounced, even after playing it for years. But <laughs> um, so my history with the uh, Exert is, uh, or Guilty Gear in general, is that. Um, as I mentioned before, I didn't get really huge into fighting games until MVC3 and Street Fighter 4. And I wasn't really huge into anime or anime aesthetic or anime style games. But I did play BlazBlue here and there with the guys, and it was fun. But I ended up finding Exert on sale, and I picked it up, and I absolutely fell in love with it. Just for the absurdity that is Guilty Gear. Um, for those who don't know, um, Guilty Gear was released on the PlayStation 1 in 1998, the original, and has received several mainline games since. There is only one mainline game that isn't a fighting game, that's Guilty Gear 2 Overture, which is a re- action, real-time strategy game. And the latest game, and I gotta make sure I say this right, is Strive, not Stride. Guilty Gear Strive was just released last year in 2021 and is currently on its Season 2 of DLC, if I am correct on that. Um, but yeah, as uh, I said... It, it just wrapped up Season 1, so yeah, yeah. It's on Season 2 now. Yep, but as I said, um, I wasn't really huge into anime, uh, into anime at the time, and... Gear, Guilty Gear Zerd was kind of what got me into it. Um, after playing it religiously for a while, I ended up going out and finding every single copy of the older games, including Blasboo as I could find, and that just brought me down to the rabbit hole of anime fighters, which I primarily play now. I don't really play much of uh, um, Street Fighter or anything like that. The only other fighting game I probably play now is Tekken 7, but one really cool mechanic that I thought, and it's kind of a core me- I don't think it's in Strive, 
But one core mechanic I really think is really cool is the instant kill moves. So for those who don't know, if you do a certain input in um, Guilty Gear, you put yourself in a um, in a mode that replaces your tension gauge, and depending on how full that tension gauge is, it'll start going down. And if it goes all the, if it goes down, you'll start taking health. However, when you're in this mode, you can do a move that instantly kills your opponent. The downside is is if you whiff and miss your attack, you cannot use tension anymore. So all those moves that are built around the tension gauge, they're gone. So you're gimped out of it. Oh no. And, yeah, and I thought that was like one of the coolest things ever. Of course, for competitive play, no one uses it because it's really easy to get out of it if you see it coming. So no one does it for competitive play, but as a casual player who was getting into it, I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And watching the awesome animations, and I still think Guilty Gear, at least when it comes to fighting games in general, has the best animations in any fighting game ever. Not like, n like no contest. Oh yeah, Guilty Gear has always been a beautiful looking game oh definitely but i i also think with the um stylish mode too because i had some friends who were into who were also new to fighting games and stylish mode was actually a pretty cool thing to do to allow players to get into it and at least put them you know as a handicap up to the actual technical players and i just think it was like an overall pretty good game to help bridge the gap between competitive and casual players but yeah i have i have a lot of love for, for guilty gears exert so much so and i owe a lot of my love to anime in general actually to guilty gear as well don't ask me anything about the lore though because i know next to nothing about it it is absolutely insane if you look at the lore arxis games are just out there with lore because when yangus approached me he was like hey Twinkie, you play fighting games you want to do a do a side cast i'm like yeah i'm interested in it so i decided to go and almost immediately start researching the lore and i was completely lost in it i just ended up giving up on talking anything about it because as i said i mostly play fighting games for the fights themselves and the community around them i don't know nothing about the lore on it but that's another rabbit hole so oh yeah it can be some of these fighting games are just absolutely ridiculous Oh yeah, arc, some arc system games. I don't know what the writers are doing there, but man, they just go like all out for like, let's just make this story as batch crazy as we possibly can. <laughs> and they do because like, oh my, like if you think this game gets crazy, you should look at the the lore for um, and the backstory stuff for uh, Blaze Blue because oh my god, <laughs> that gets that get, that like has time travel, that has alternate timelines that somehow affect the actual one. Like, like it, it's, this, these are games where it's like, just play them for the game. Don't play for the story. You'll get confused. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask if that was the same people that did that one, too. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah Arxis is responsible for both Guilty Gear and Blaze Blue. Ah, okay. Both are really good franchises. Oh, yeah. But they're, they're pretty complicated fighters for the most part. <laughs> yeah, they're but, very technical. Yeah, yeah, they are. I will say, though, that um, especially with um, Exard and uh, the Strive, that... And also, uh, they do it in Blaze Blue as well, but um, Arxis is pretty good about having in uh, very extensive training modes to help teach people, you know, how to play and how to approach different types of situations. So, the, the nice thing is, even if, you, you know, you're brand new to one of these games or you're new to fighters, that you do have a nice uh, place to go to learn how to play these games and to sort of figure things out, especially to figure out, like, oh, you know, I'm low on health, my opponent's really put down a lot of smackdown, you know, what's something I should look out for, or, you know, what are some good combinations that I can use with this particular character, like, uh, 
gosh, what was it? I know when I picked up uh, Xard, it was the Rev 2 release, which um, featured uh, Biken and Answer as two new characters that they added. And learning and using that to learn how to play as some of these Guilty Gear characters who I had never played as, such as uh, uh, Sin, Raven, and um, Answer, who's one of the new ones. You know, it was it was a really great learning tool because it takes the time to really explain, like, okay, well, here's how, you know, this special move can, it is, is affected if you use some meter. Here's how this one's used if you use this particular button. You know, these are some good ways to combo this move. So it does a really nice job teaching you um, how to approach these characters and different mechanics and stuff. It can't, it, it is intimidating, though. I will not deny that. But at least the, I, I will give Arxis credit for trying to make it as approachable as possible by this really extensive training mode. You know, some big kudos to them for that. Yeah, their tutorials are actually pretty good, definitely for sure. Mm-hmm. Now, the the real question though is, who do you main when you play Guilty Gear? That's a very important question to ask anyone who plays. <laughs> I am a huge fan of Chargers, so if there's a Charger in the game, you can you, you can spot on, you can tell who I main. But it's not May. I like May. I like playing her, but I'm more of a Leo White Fang guy. There you go. All day, every day. The only exception to that rule, going a little off topic here, is um, Blazblue, and that's Iron Tagger. And I, I can talk about this guy all day because I still am convinced he is the best fighting game character ever made. He is just so fun. But I'll, with the exception of him, I'm a huge fan of Chargers. So, And Leo isn't really necessarily as much of a Charger as May, but he's still you know, got those some charge moves in his moveset. So... Mm-hmm. And the way he like can like put his swords behind him and like change his move set with that too, he's just a really fun character to play. Oh yeah, funny funny enough, as much as I like weapon fighting, when I play Guilty Gear, I always play as Jam. <laughs> oh, f- oh, you play as her? Oh, Brewer, I'm it, sorry, it's I it's, it's either Jam, it's either Jam or Biken. I'm sorry, I can't be your friend anymore, Brewer. And if you play as Jam, I don't like Jam. <laughs> I hate Jam. I hate her so much. <laughs> She's like the most annoying character. In Guilty Gear. <laughs> She's so annoying. <laughs> Is she annoying because she beats you constantly? No, it's because her voice acting. <laughs> it's no gold Lytan, huh? Like, like honestly, it's one of those cases where just, like, everything about the character just annoys me. It's, it's... <laughs> It, it's <laughs> I don't I don't have any other explanation than that. It's just everything about this character. Like even when I first played a Guilty Gear game with a with a double X uh, accent core on the on the Wii, and like as soon as she I fought her for my first match against her, I'm like, I don't like this character. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was like a pretty instantaneous. I don't like you. <laughs> but I see, um, <laughs> I see how it is. Oh yeah. Well, that's all right. Like with. My, with my uh, Guilty Gear mains, they're on like complete opposites of uh, their playstyle approaches. So one I of just, them is Potemkin, the oh, grappler yeah. slash giant of the of the big series. Boy. Big yep. boy Potemkin. I, I just want to say before you go on that I just listened to her her voice voice actress and very squeaky. So I see where you're coming from. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and for you know just just for a quick little side note here, for some reason in an Xard they changed it so her speech pattern is more like she's an um, like an, a, an Asian woman who's learned English. And you know those old like stereotypes where it's like um, they might skip certain words in their speech when they mm-hmm. talk to you. It's like a lot of articles and stuff. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's like if you said like, oh, what a nice day it is. It'd be like, oh, what nice day it is. You know, yep. stuff like that. They, for some reason, changed her speech pattern to that. It's like, what? She didn't talk like that before what happened. <laughs> but um, anyway. But uh, she's a talented chef. 
Well, knowing Guilty Gear lore, it's probably built into the lore. <laughs> <laughs> probably. You know? Time collapse happened. She, her voice changed and her went speech pat. Co- who knows? But, went um, to college in America. Went to culinary school in America. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, other character-wise, like, and the character that pretty much got me uh, wanting to play it as well was the good old Dr. Faust, the tall man that- of the game where he's like eight feet tall. Oh, even I though love- when he. Faust in his paper bag head. Oh, yeah. I, I love playing this Faust so much. I loved it, too, how with Strive that they changed him to be this creepy doctor. And after looking up the reason why, it's like, oh, okay, that actually makes sense then why he had such a drastic change of character. I won't say for just for the uh, in the event that somebody here does care about learning the story themselves, but it was definitely one of those things where it's like, oh, okay, that, that, that explained why he had such a drastic overhaul with his appearance and with his moveset, but especially why it took such a darker turn. Yeah. And I <laughs> but, think Happy Chaos kind of replaced him more as kind of like the wacky character too, right? I think so. Because so. he definitely uh, seems pretty out there too with the way yeah. he acts. Like I, I actually just recently, I saw a clip where it was a Happy Chaos, uh, like a mirror match. The two of them high five when the match starts. The one's like, <laughs> which one of us is the clone? Yeah, beats me. I don't really remember anymore. And then the fight starts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like, okay, that's the best way to approach a mirror mess. <laughs> yeah. But, um, gosh, yeah. Like, I got my start with Guilty Gear with a double X, like I said, uh, on the Nintendo Wii. And I've played um, I played quite a bit of XR. I, I definitely prefer double uh, X just because I, I just kind of like It's just more of a preference thing. But uh, every Guilty Gear game that I've played and watched, like, top tier matches for, it's a lot of fun. It's definitely a little more complicated to learn than some other fighting games. But it, it is worth... Um, you know, your time putting into it. Cause with some of the stuff you can do with characters, it's like, Oh man, this is so awesome. It's so good. But, uh, do you have anything else for guilty gear? You want to talk about Twinkie before we move on? Oh, uh, no, not really. So no mention of the, the soundtracks or nothing. Oh yeah. Soundtracks is just, so as much, as much as I trash talk strive, the soundtrack in that game is just as good as the other games. And I absolutely love the soundtrack. It always slaps. Like, every time I have fighting games, like, usually, sometimes when I'm playing, like, Smash Ultimate or something, I actually mute the in-game, like, music, and I just play uh, Guilty Gear over it instead. <laughs> nice. And I love it that much, but, nice. yeah, it's really good. Oh, yeah. oh does that I think... mean we potentially have some Guilty Gear Dragon Quest going on? Mm-hmm. You're playing Hero? Oh, funny. <laughs> <laughs> Rocking out to Soul Bad Guys theme. <laughs> <laughs> that That is one thing that I do like about this series as well, is that they... There's a lot of um, rock and roll music references in it. Like uh, one of my favorite characters from X or from Double uh, X is uh, Zappa, who's supposed to be based off of uh, Frank Zappa. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have I forget. I think if I remember right, Soul Bad Guy is somewhat based off of Freddie Mercury, mainly with how like his uh, belt buckle says "free" on it. Mm-hmm. So it's like a reference to him. Uh, there's some other ones in there too, particularly with how some character themes are. But you know, if you if you really like uh, rock and roll history and like just seeing how that's sort of portrayed in this game. There's a lot of really cool references to other characters. Like I know Johnny is supposed to be a shout out to um, Johnny Cash. Cause you know, Johnny dresses up in, in all black. Johnny Cash is the man in black. He, Johnny throws around coins and stuff. He's like the suave kind of guy. There, there's some other reference. There's not quite, there's not quite as many like in your face references quite like that, but it's still really cool. All the nods and shadows to like rock and roll music. And you can tell it influenced a lot of the series. So the lore wise, it's pretty nuts, but um, 
what it's based on, that's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, I see a character that's kind of designed after Axl Rose from Guns N' Roses. Now that oh, you're yep. talking about that. <laughs> that's another one. Fucking <laughs> Jim, check out! want to kick your ass! <laughs> yeah, somehow... <laughs> Yeah, somehow that guy too, Pendy. Somehow he's a time traveler. Oh, Axel is. Of course. It's just like, oh, all right, time traveler. Of yeah, and like one of the characters is like a president or something like that too. He's like a like a ninja that became a president. Oh yeah. <laughs> and it's like I forgot that that's Chip's storyline. <laughs> yeah. Apparently he be, he was like through like the past three games, like his lore was trying to become president, and then in Strive he is a president or something like that. Our boy did like, it. He did yeah. it. <laughs> God bless Chip. Chip America. That's what we call him. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Well, I guess that means uh, it's time now for a Berurian. Hopefully he doesn't go uh, on about this one endlessly. Maybe, maybe not, but maybe. <laughs> so we talked about Gundam already, so I'm going to talk about it some more. Specifically, a old Super Nintendo game called Mobile Suit Gundam Wing Endless Duel. So this was a basically one-on-one fighting game that was released exclusively in Japan in 1996. Uh, it was also the first video game based on Gundam Wing, and um, it's pretty it, it it's pretty rocking. It's a it's a great fighting game. Uh, this was one that when Gundam Wing aired in America, I went out looking for you know Gundam stuff, and I came across a Japanese ROM of this game since it's. You never got never got released over here. Uh, it's it's pretty fantastic. It's uh, and after doing some research on it, it's like one of the last Super Famicom games that ever got released on the system in Japan because it released in '96, which was I think the same year the uh, Sony PlayStation came out. So it's a uh, tap in the back end of the catalog there, basically. So like I said, it's a it's a one-on-one fighting game with uh, just Gundam Wing and Gundam Wing only characters. Uh, it's got uh, it's only got like three modes. It's got a story mode, a trial mode, and um, kind of a how to describe it. It's like a endless mode. I think they just called it something else though. But uh, and then you also had a versus where you could play two players with another friend. So in the single player mode, you would choose one of the characters, and from the characters on the list, you had the the five main guys. You had Hero, Duo, Troa, Quatra, and Chang. And on more of the enemy side, you had Zex. Uh, Lucrenzia and Lady Un, and they all uh, piloted their mechs from the show. But uh, like in the main story of the game, you would fight a series of battles that just depended on which Gundam you chose. Um, But basically, you would fight all of the other Gundams, more or less. Story mode wasn't really story mode. There was no cutscenes, there was no anything. It was just fight everybody else and get to the end. And at the end, you would fight Wing Zero itself. But if you were playing as Wing Zero, you would just fight a kind of souped-up version of the Wing Gundam piloted by Troa. Um, and I think they it, it called itself the Heavy Arms 88. And then after that, you would fight the Gundam Epion. Uh, so it, it, it kind of varied depending on who you chose. Like, if you if you chose Zek's uh, mobile suit, which was the Tall Geese, uh, you, you would reach the uh, Epion Gundam at the end, and instead of it being piloted by Zex, it would be piloted by Hero instead. And then once you completed the game a few times and, and beat it on hard mode, you would get a unlock to play as the final boss in multiplayer mode only, which was always, it's always nice when they do stuff like that. Uh, oh, yeah. if, if there's a cheat code for it, I'm not sure. But uh, I really like trial mode, which is endless survival, and you basically just 
keep fighting battles until you can no longer go on. But the counter maxes out at 99. So if you can get up to 99, you technically win. Um, there's not really a lot to say about this game other than it's just a, a really fun fighting game. It's, it's a beautiful game too, because it's, since it's such an end of life game, um, like the beginning of the opening cutscene is very, very short to where it shows, uh, gosh, what's her name? You couldn't remember her name earlier. He's, she's the one that <laughs> hero was just like, I'll, I'll kill, kill you. you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what was her name? But anyways, it shows a, it shows like a shot of her and then it zooms by and then you see like pictures of all the main characters, like kind of stylistically just kind of slide by the screen. And then you see Zex piloting his tall geese in a battle in space, all while rhythm emotion is playing in the background. So um, I guess some uh, some other cool stuff about this is that uh, this kind of this game kind of released during the boom of fighting games after the launch of Street Fighter 2. Like I said, it was one of the last titles to appear on the Super Famicom, and it was developed by uh, the Tingo Project, which most people might be familiar with them from the game's Wild Guns and the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Fighting Edition game. In fact, the engine for this game was from the Power Rangers game, but it was uh, souped up with uh, exclusive improvements and stuff like that. Uh, overall, it rated very well over here in the States for like all of the import sites that did it at the time. Everybody loved it, uh, except that it had only a nine-character roster, to whereas you know other stuff like Gundam Battle Assault had way more options. Uh, that was the one you, you spoke about, right, Pendy? Gundam Battle Assault? Yeah, yeah. Huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah, it was Relina. That was the name of the... Relina, yeah. So, like, during a match, uh, players are able to switch between, you know, their weapons and melee fighting styles. So all characters have a machine gun attack, and you've got ammo that you'll see, like, under your health bars and stuff like that. Mm which also uses energy and targets opponents based on distance. So you'll see like little crosshairs pop up around the screen. And if your character, if the other character is within the confines of that crosshair, you can hit them with your machine gun fire. Um, And you can gain some ammo back by simply doing damage to the other player. Oh, that's cool. You also have an energy counter underneath your health bar, which is used to perform like, you know, powerful versions of special moves that you can normally do. So like every, character has one or two special attacks that requires energy and, and plays a sound right before commencing. So you get all of these nice flashy effects right before it goes off. And um, the opponent can actually respond to that and cancel you out of the move by, you know, doing a light poke or something to you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Players are, you know, also able to uh, do dashes, air blocking, air dashes, chain combos, similar stuff like uh, other, you know, fighting games that use similar mechanics. Uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's a very simple fighting game, but it is very, very fun to watch and it's beautiful to play. Uh, has, have any of you played it by chance? I know no, it was I a, to... uh, Japan only game, but it was one of the first fighting games after Samurai Shodown that I actually played because it came out in Japan in 96, but, uh, what was it? Gundam Wing didn't air here until, you know, years later, like, what, 2000 or so? Oh, God. Uh, I can't would, remember. Would it, would it be the late 90s, maybe? Was it the late 90s? I can't, can't remember off the top of my head. <laughs> but um, after after it aired and I kind of sought out stuff to play, Gundam, Gundam uh, was. Oh, 2000. I, it was in yeah, 2000. It was 2000. in 2000. Yeah. I was like 15 at the time and I was like, man, I got to. I got to, you know, find out more about this Gundam thing, because up until then, I hadn't really uh, been into Mecha. This was like my first major Mecha uh, show. Yeah. yeah, me too. I mean, it got a lot of people into Mecha for the first time when this this one aired. So um, 
I found the ROM, and the ROM was in uh, Japanese. A few years later, someone did an English translation of it, but oh. you know, for a couple of years, I was definitely playing it. It doesn't sound like you Japanese. really need. Yeah, it doesn't really sound like you need much of an English patch, anyways, because like you said, there's no story bits to it. It's just like go fight the robots and then yeah, go fight yeah, the guns so, and then you're done. So all of the all of the text, all of the menu text, and everything is in English. The only thing that is in Japanese is the end of round trash talking that the character ah. will do to the other player. Yeah. So you know it'll be you know like Troa or something will come up and be like you weren't a challenge at all. Yeah, but. I noticed I noticed that with a lot of um, fighting games because I had I forget what that service was. It was kind of like a Netflix type service where you could rent games. It still exists today. Um, and it had Gamefly? yeah, GameFly. I had GameFly for a while, and GameFly actually had an import function where you could rent imported games. And so every once in a while, I would check out like a new fighting game or something like that that hadn't come over here yet. And like I remember like doing a Dragon Ball fighting game, and like all the menus were in English, and then you know most of the other stuff was in. Japanese, but they seem to do that a lot, where they'll have the, the menus in English for some reason. It's interesting. <laughs> that's uh, that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, funny enough, this game still kind of has a presence in the competitive uh, side. In fact, hmm. recently it was in CEO Taku. If any of you follow the whole like fighting game competitive yep. scene, yep. Like I was I was surprised to see it 20 years later still still popping up. <laughs> in in, uh, in in these things, it's just that, that popular. That reminds it's, me of like how Tecmo Super Bowl still gets tournaments to this day. That's, that's <laughs> cool. But um, yeah, I don't have much more to say outside of that. Go find a ROM. It's super easy to find. Uh, it's super fun to play. I I played it for a keep with a keyboard for a long time because I didn't have a gamepad or anything to do. But it's it's real simple to play and it's a lot of fun. I also just love playing as Wing Zero. He is the man and the mech. Yangus, do you, do, you, do you ever play this one? You should give it a try sometime. No, I have not. I have not played this one. Sounds interesting though. I'd, yeah. I definitely check it out because like I am a sucker for checking out Super Nintendo games that I have not <laughs> played and before. Like, like I said, it looks. So good and sounds so good for being a Super Nintendo game. Yeah, really, a lot of like late era Super Nintendo games like really push the boundaries of what the system could do. So I believe um, I was looking up stuff for this the other day, and I believe that this was released on a two megabyte card, which for is for a Super Nintendo game is a very big card. So they had a lot of resource to work with. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, what was it? I was just thinking about. I was. Uh, Trials of Man, I've been wanting to get back to playing uh, the original like Super Nintendo or Super Nintendo version that's on that collection of Mana on the on the Switch. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know that that's another game that uh, is often cited as being like one of the uh, bigger games on the console too. Like I think they had to use a big cartridge like that as well. Like I, oh, I, I know be- like, I believe it. I've seen it. I believe it. I know like sound processing wise, I've I've seen a lot of people, even those that haven't pl- actually played the game but have listened to it that they argue that it's one of the best sounding like Super Nintendo soundtracks with how the quality of music is on it. Oh, it's it's fantastic. Yeah. It like, really is. Yeah. It like it like um when playing through it and listening to it beforehand, it's like, well, this is really you know, there's some pretty darn good music on that they're getting out of here, like <laughs> sound quality wise. Like Super Nintendo yeah. Sounds really great, like even from like the earlier games. But it's it really is impressive how much um, you know the hardware changed, or how much people excuse me, how much people could get out of the hardware as the years went on and things changed. You know. Yeah, I played a fan translation of that years ago. It's a fantastic game. If you ever get a chance to play it, in uh, either either way, using the, uh, the the Switch collection or doing the fan translation, it's great. It's a great game. But yeah, like 
I, I would check this um, this fighting game out. What would you say it was called again, Brewery? It, you can simply just look up Gundam Wing Endless Duel. Okay. You but might see something. The full name of it is Shin Kido Sinki Gundam Wing Endless Duel. Yeah. Oh, that's easy to remember. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it sounds interesting. You know, I would I check it out for sure. But th- speaking of things we need to check out, we got to check out what Pendy's second game is. So Pendy. What do you got next for us, sir? Maybe is it, some uh, is fighting it more on Gundam? the streets. Is it more Gundam? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's fighting on Gundam. the streets. Oh, oh, gu- oh, okay. So we're playing Street Gundam. All right. Street Gundam. <laughs> Gundam Street. <laughs> but no, oh boy, I'm, I'm excited about this one. So my next game is Marvel vs. Capcom 2, which we mentioned a little bit before. This is my favorite game in the Versus series of Street Fighter games, and probably one of, yeah, I would say my favorite fighting game ever. So it started out in arcades in the year 2000. In the year 2000. If anyone gets that Conan reference, but. And eventually, I thought it was the year. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and, and eventually was ported to consoles such as the Dreamcast, PS2, PS3, Xbox, Xbox 360, and believe it or not, iOS systems, which before really? a few days ago, yep, I had no did. idea existed. <laughs> it did. I had it. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I had no idea it hit iOS. Yeah. It's no longer on there, though. Oh. Rip. <laughs> but, uh... As you would expect, this game is a mixture of Capcom and Street Fighter characters. It has an amazing 56 character roster, which I will now list every single one of them. No, I'm just kidding. In I'm alphabetical order, I imagine. In, yes. <laughs> always. Were you going to say alphabetical order? <laughs> no, but now now I should. I will, <laughs> I'm like, I have that's funny if we both are going to do the same joke. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I loved specifically that um you know it's, it had such a big roster. I had one friend who was super into this game, and he and he was always just like he got mad at me because I would choose both versions of Wolverine because I loved playing as Wolverine. Oh, funny, <laughs> Wolverine and, and Bone Claw Wolverine. Yeah, you got you got, yeah. Wolver- you got Metal Wolverine and Bone Wolverine yeah, the Andamantium <laughs> and the Bone. But uh, it even has uh, three original characters made specifically for this game. I mean, there's something for everyone in this game of how many characters it has. And uh, unlike its predecessor, Marvel vs. Capcom, where you pick two playable characters and an assist-only character, in this game you pick three character teams from the roster. And both your characters in reserve can do specific helper attacks. They have three different helper attacks that you can choose from uh, before the fight starts. You have to be careful, though. Uh, Characters can be caught for big damage during a helper attack if you aren't cautious with their timing. So it's a nice little strategy you can you can do in that game and catch somebody, catch their character that's on the screen and the helper character at the same time. Now the control scheme is one of my favorite parts of this game. Traditionally, a lot of Street Fighter games will have three low, medium, and high strength attacks. In this game, there are only four attack buttons and two assist buttons. I love the simplicity of basically only having four attack buttons. I wish more Street Fighter games did this but that's just that's just a personal preference of mine. Um, and it wouldn't be a modern Street Fighter game without the use of some kind of super move gauge. In this game, it's the hyper combo gauge. And hyper combos are also half the fun in this game because there are three different ways to use them. Once a single bar in the gauge is full, you can pull off a character's hyper combo. This is the more traditional method, and a lot of the characters have really fun and inventive hyper combos that they can pull off, and some even have combos that use more than one bar, of course. And in addition to this, if you fill up two or more bars of the gauge, you can do a button combo that brings in two or three of your characters at the same time to do one of their hyper combos all at once, simultaneously. That's so Pringles. (laughs) (laughs) 
where your curly mustache at? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, when you, where you can get really tricky with this is the delayed hyper combo system. So as you're damaging an opponent with a hyper combo, you can chain in another reserve character to continue damage with their combo. You can link all three characters together to do this. One of my favorite teams to use was Rogue, Gambit, and Juggernaut. And what I would do to link their combos is, first I would start out with Rogue's hyper combo that would whack you across the screen and then hit you up in the air for where she would uh, do like a power draining kiss and like get one of your powers. You'd get like super powerful and more defense and more agility or whatever. But just as she's about to do that, as she's about to smack you, uh, then I would flip in Gambit's hyper combo he would throw his staff in the air in the beginning of that. And what a lot of people don't realize is that that can actually hit somebody. And this would knock them down to the ground level where then they would get hit by his explosive playing card. Then as that was finishing up, I would bring in Juggernaut's punishing hyper combo where he runs you over across the screen. It was so much fun to pull off. So this game was my jam back in uh, 2000. I played it when it first hit the, uh, the local mar- mall arcade near where i lived in uh, madison wisconsin i was a regular there because of this game and i went there all the time i was pretty good at marvel vs. capcom but i got really good at this one uh my brother can attest to this next part because he would sometimes see this you know i wasn't gonna win any like state or national tournaments or, or nothing like that but locally at least i was like one of the best that was there i sometimes literally had like a line of people looking to challenge me put their court putting the quarters on the on the con on the arcade that's cabinet. beautiful and there was only like one kid there that would come there sometimes that could beat me. That was much better than I was. But otherwise, no one else had a chance. And this and this wasn't just with my best team. Like like I said before, like my best team was Rogue Gambit Juggernaut. I think Rogue was was probably my best character that I was good with. But I would I would love to play with like other teams and other characters. I play with like Ken, Ryu, Sabretooth, Blackheart, Venom, Tron Bone, Servbot, BB Hood, Guile, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I loved playing with a lot of the different characters that this game had. And the arcade system was interesting because, like, not all the characters were unlocked initially. If you were uh, with this game when it first released in 2000, it only started with 24 of the 56 possible characters. Now, the arcade machines had an experience system. Uh, The machine would tally up experience points by the amount of tokens inputted and time played. So new characters and costume changes would automatically unlock as experience was built. And... uh, so back in August of 2000, I had joined the Air Force and would ship off to basic training in September. So sadly, this missed out. I missed on some of the, missed out on some of the later characters being unlocked in my arcade unit, such as like Sentinel and some of the later characters that would get unlocked. Uh, later down the line, I bought this game for the PlayStation 2 and then the PlayStation 3. And in these console releases, you had like a secret factor mode where you could buy extra characters and costumes from points that you would accumulate by playing the game. The PlayStation 2 didn't have online play except for in Japan, but the PlayStation 3 did, and I got to experience some of the online play uh, when I got that version of the game, which is great. Now, on a side note, before I started researching this, as I had mentioned before, I had no idea this game actually had an iOS port. I saw a review of it on YouTube. It has a very interesting layout to work with a touchscreen. As you would expect, it has a directional wheel and like a punch and a kick input, but also has like a special swap and a special input. So swiping the swap input left to right brings in another character, but swiping it up and down would do like a friend assist or like a hyper combo. And swiping the special button in different directions would do the character's very special moves, instead of trying to manipulate the directional wheel with the punch and the kick inputs. So I thought that was like really innovative 
how they made the control scheme for this game. Like, and if someone else had the game, you could play each other through like a Bluetooth pairing. So you could play multiplayer that way. And, and Angus, you said you actually had this version of the game. I did. Yeah, it, that- was a, it was a it was an interesting experience playing it on there. But you know, it was nice to have it on the go if I wanted to play it when I wasn't playing on my um, Xbox 360 version. Nice, nice. Did you? Yeah. Was it learning a bit of a learning curve with the controls? Yeah, it was definitely um, an acquired imagine. learning, but <laughs> but <laughs> See, I played I mean, it with the Dreamcast. But Thanks. you know what? It was it was one just you know I more so just goofed around with it than anything you know. And it was it was fine for what it was. You know, it could have been better, I'm sure, and would have made a lot more sense to put it on something else. But hey, you know what? The fact they even got it working on iOS back when it was still like you know some of the earlier days of the arcade that was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that shocked me that they actually had a version of it on iOS. I thought that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Now, like the Versus series from Capcom, is, you know, overall is one of my favorite series in gaming. This game, Marvel vs. Capcom, the first one, X-Men vs. Street Fighter, and many others are a total joy for me to play. I even got the arcade one-up cabinet that has three Versus games and two Marvel fighting games in it. I still need to build it, though. <laughs> it will it will be fun when I get, get it up and running. It was only uh, $500, which also includes a custom-painted stool. And that may seem like a lot, but I've seen prices for buying Marvel vs. Capcom 2 traditional arcade cabinets, and those can go up into, like, the thousands of dollars. Oh, easily. So, Capcom, yeah. or easily. Arcade, arcade cabinets are expensive as get-out. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that's not, it's a pretty good deal. So anyone else have, uh, I know, uh, I think all of you have played this game at one point or another. I yep. played it I played it on the Dreamcast the most. That was my kind of um, holy grail on the Dreamcast for a long time, is to get a mm. copy of that game. Because I didn't have a PlayStation 2, I didn't get a PS2 until like almost 2005. And I, I had an Xbox, but I don't think it released on the Xbox. It, it did. The OG it did. Xbox? Yeah, yeah okay. it came out like a year after the PS2, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, Xbox um, 360. But playing, man, playing that game on the Dreamcast, it destroys your thumb because the D-pad <laughs> on the Dreamcast is bad. It's not great, and just that the, the wonky design of the Dreamcast controller, man, my thumb was raw a lot playing that game. My problem with the original cabinet was that the buttons were concave. So if you sat there and played an intense match and played several games, you would your fingers would actually hurt from sliding it around way too much. Yeah, there's actually some uh, players. Um, um, in the competitive scene during the time, there was actually some players, they actually had to have like sanitation that nearby because players would get so into the game that the concave buttons, they would start bleeding when they're in the middle of a match because of it. Oh, damn. Yeah, it, it, it can be rough, but it's, it's worth it. <laughs> that reminds me of getting like, like, uh, NES, uh, NES blisters from going to too much with the A and the B buttons. Yeah. That's why I imported a Super Nintendo Famicom con- or a Super Famicom controller because I like those reverse buttons, those convex buttons, baby. Oh yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, I am. Um, I ended up first playing this game on the uh, Xbox 360, uh, Xbox Arcade, whatever it was called. That release of the game. I actually ended up going over to a buddy's house because he had, uh, you know, his all set up. And it's like, hey, can you help me get mine set up? It's like, yeah, sure, no problem. So went over there and downloaded the game while I was at his house. And, you know, honestly, it was it was well worth getting because I've messed around with that game so much, like especially in college with friends and stuff. And uh, oh, yeah, oh, I yeah. found quite a few teams that I like playing as. And I, I will say it. I <laughs> I've had people be like, oh, you're just tear picking. Like I would like one of the first characters I learned to play as in that game was Sentinel because I'm always uh, one that, uh, yeah because you 
Yeah, 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 I'm sure. But I always <laughs> like playing as the the big guys in fighting games. And it's like, mm. hey, you got this cool big ass robot, you know, and it really it, it honestly was not because of him being a good character. Like, I didn't know he was like a top tier character. At the well, time. I did the character well. It was fun to play with. Oh, yeah. It, it, I mean, he's just freaking broken as all get out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just love playing as the character because I very much enjoy playing as um, as the big guys in a lot of fighting games and stuff just that that's always been one of the, like my go-to characters that's why i like potemkin and um like guilty gear like in um oh gosh i'm trying to think like in marvel versus capcom 3 you know i really enjoyed playing as like nemesis t-type um gosh where's some other fighting game like big characters like in like the next game i'm going to talk about i play as the big character or as one of the big characters a uh, big band like all the time which i'm what i'll talk about in my next game but you know that's just always my go-to but like some of my favorite teams to run was um sentinel captain commando thanos i liked to do mm. um my thanos, had a, I, thanos had a cool move set i like playing with thanos too he did yeah i loved using doing the bubble throw it was just so, yeah <laughs> it was so silly but it worked so well but so, um, angus where, where the knicks at what? Where the Knicks at? I'm sorry, I don't know. I don't know. that. That's that that reference I don't get from. <laughs> I know you're that, quoting something from Yikes, probably, but I don't recognize that. <laughs> that that's uh that's 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 one of the color schemes that uh Sentinel had. He was the color of the Knicks basically. The oh, team. oh 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 oh. Oh. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I I yeah that one was like over my head. But um uh yeah I was I like doing uh the team of Strider here you uh juggernaut and charlie i like doing that one as oh, well cool. and then like one of my other favorite teams was uh I, I called that the the robot team even though one of them wasn't a robot it was a uh, mega man uh, war machine and uh sentinel i like doing that one or i wouldn't say sentinel i would do um oh who was it i would sometimes just throw in serve bot just because oh he's fun to play with he's just so goofy he's oh got yeah that's super moves yeah or uh, one of the most like satisfying moves that I love to pull off in that game was playing with Guile and then getting someone up in the air and doing his mid-air hyper combo. I, it was so satisfying if I could pull that oh, off. Yeah. yeah, there's some really fun like team combinations that you can do in this game for sure. And there are definitely those that, you know, like you watch a lot of the tournaments for it. They're, most everybody plays as like the top tier characters. But if you find some like mid-tier, t- uh, like a mid or low tier tournaments for the game, or people just will like purposely do random where they'll uh, they'll have to draw like numbers and like whatever the characters assign that number that's the character they got to play as. It, it it gets pretty fun watching to see what people can do and it's because there there is a nice uh, free form style to the combo system as well because uh, like one of my favorite characters to play at is is uh, Amingo who was uh, one of the newly made characters for the game. Yeah, the cacti, cactus yeah, person. I actually found out he was originally supposed to be a Darkstalkers character, but they ended up uh, reusing him for. Um, Marvel vs. Capcom 2 instead, because they're like, you know what, we're not really going to use them for Darkstalkers, but let's let's keep this design and we'll use it for this game that's coming out. But, um, because I think that was at the time where Darkstalkers kind of had an iffy future, so they were like, eh, we, we'll, we'll, we'll reuse them somewhere else. <laughs> and it was nice, but, they had a lot of Darkstalkers characters in this game, too. They really did. Yeah, and, um, yeah, Mingo was fun to play as, too, and you had Jill Valentine, she was a brand new face that they added for the playable roster, because uh, Resident Evil, you know, had just, you know, been a newer release from Capcom with a uh, Resident Evil one and two. And Jill Valentine has a really fun move set as well. She was always she fun does. to mess around with. Yeah. Cause she could like summon zombies and zombie dogs and all sorts mm-hmm. of stuff. It was, it was great. She had yeah. good, mm-hmm. really fun moves. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. 
Did you guys ever play as Hayato? I loved playing as him. Oh, yeah. I, I love yes. Star Gladiator. I used to love playing Star Gladiator, and I was oh, yeah. happy to see him in. Yeah, I, I like to loved... do uh, Hayato. I would do, I think my one team I would do was Hayato uh, Jin from that Mecha Fighter. Oh, yep, yep. He, he was always my choice whenever I would select Hayato, yeah. and then I would always have, like, Omega Red, because I just, I, I love Omega Red. He's one of my favorite mm-hmm. Marvel villains. Nice. I think if I remember right, I did, like, a Hayato Jin and... Um, it was either Guile was the third character, or the other character was Doctor Doom or Tron. Doctor Doom. He's oh yeah, Doctor like Doctor Doom was another character I'd always love throwing on teams. And again, it's mainly because I just love Doctor Doom. It's like when I played Marvel vs. Capcom three. Like Doom was considered a top tier character in both Marvel three and Ultimate Marvel three. I like playing as Doom because I love Doom. I love how over the top he is. <laughs> yeah, he's, <laughs> he's, so, he's so much fun as a character. <laughs> and like Tom Bone is great too. I loved how she could like uh, capture somebody and stun them so that you could then go in with a, a bunch of moves after that. I liked her stun moves. Yeah, it's it, very like this is very much a game where you're gonna find like a number of characters you're gonna love playing as. Because there's there's a there's there's some fun move sets out there for and and team combinations that you can do. That that's why this game is like to this day still played you know so heavily. Yeah, and it's it's funny because like all these with all these Marvel and versus uh, games that became popular, that's how I learned about a lot of characters that I had never known about before. Like I wasn't a big comic person, so I didn't know who Thanos was. I didn't know much about the Hulk except for he's this, this big green angry guy. So a lot of what I learned about like Marvel characters early on was from these versus games. <laughs> so it's like when it when Thanos became a thing for the movies, I was like, oh hey, it's the guy from Marvel Marvel vs. Capcom too. <laughs> <laughs> Say that in a comic book shop. Right? <laughs> oh yeah, no, I had the same thing. <laughs> Because I'm just like, oh, it's a really cool, like, you know, big-ass alien guy. And then it's just like, oh, no, he's actually from comics and stuff. <laughs> I, can't, I, I actually I can't. remember, okay. Pendy, when um, I went and saw Avengers, or the the original Avengers movie uh, in, like, 2012 with a friend of mine. He knew about the after credit scene, but he didn't tell me what it was about. So when we were watching it in the movie theater, it gets to Thanos. I remember just being like, oh, that's Thanos! He's in Marvel vs. Capcom, too! <laughs> <laughs> See, same, same, same. It's like, that's awesome! <laughs> and it was like... It was like when I know the, the the moves of the Hulk of Hulk didn't originate in the game, but like the when they the second Hulk movie came out that had uh, what's his name as his star um, who uh, who was from American History X that guy, but that when they did a lot of the moves that I knew from the versus games, like oh they're doing the moves from the video game, this is awesome, and they actually said Hulk smash, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I I've loved this game. I've played it so much, and the arc, the arcade, the home version, everything. It's it's a just a joy to play and, and mess around with all the different character teams. Because that's that's something that I like to do in video games. Like some people, like they'll main a few characters and they'll do mostly that. But like I don't I, like I'll main some characters uh, for, for certain games. But I love to play with almost all the characters that I can, unless I like really hate them for some reason and, and suck yeah. them. I like to like have a variety of playing with all the different characters and experimenting and goofing around and like I'll like if I'm playing my buddies like I love just just doing random like hitting random and seeing who you get and then just playing with whoever I, I like mm-hmm. doing. It, it, like, it was always fun to pull out BB Hood and people would be like, "What? <laughs> she was a good character. She, she had a good super too. She did. Shot it, shot you up to to hell and back." Yeah, especially if you had a taller character you were fighting, because then it would do even more damage because she's getting because they're getting hit by like three waves of bullets. <laughs> I I do remember being annoyed by Cable because people would play keep away with him pretty well. Oh yeah, they knew what they were doing. 
that big laser laser beam attacks. We, we, call, we call that zoning. Yeah, yeah. Yep. They would that zoning would get annoying sometimes. <laughs> yep. Cables is the reason why I hate zoning in every fighter. <laughs> I would not. So. I do not blame you. Do not blame you. He's a, that's his specialty for sure. That's why Twinkie always tells me he hates it when I play as one of the links in Smash. <laughs> That's like, I hate what? zoners with the passion, man. I, I just don't like them. I know, I've always laughed about yeah. that, too, because it's like, I don't think I zone that much, but I, all right. <laughs> it, you don't even have to zone that much. I just get irritated by it, even if you just do it a couple times, you know? I don't like that. Throws out an air. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> no. oh, you know what one of the nice features of the, the home console ports of this was? Is that you could unlock a mode where you could actually pick multiple uh, copies of the same character. So, like, my best character was Rogue, so I could pick like three Rogues and play with that team. <laughs> that, that was was fun. So you're telling me I could have been getting three Wolverines? You could have, yes. If you unlock that mode, you could. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> just 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 imagine a a um a like top level super of three Wolverines doing three Berserker barrages. <laughs> Amazing. That'd be great. <laughs> well, any, anyone else got uh, any uh, fond memories of this game they want to go with? Um, well, I guess when I when I started playing it on the uh, with the Dreamcast, that was kind of the time that I started getting into playing fighting games more with friends than just kind of doing it solo all the time. Because I remember getting the first Marvel vs. Capcom game on the PlayStation 1. Mm-hmm. And I, gosh, I must have put uh, over 100 hours into that game solo. I would play that game, like, every day and go through arcade mode with several characters, like, oh, every night. Too. Yeah. Uh, it was all, the, the, the PS1 version was also very interesting, too, because you would always choose a second character, but you could never, like, switch to them in battle like you could in the arcade. Like, you would have to put a button command in in between matches to switch to the other character. Oh, uh, Okay. It was the weirdest thing, but um, no, with with um, Marvel vs. Capcom 2, we a friend had it on the Dreamcast, and that's what really made me want to get it on the Dreamcast, and we would go over to his house several times a week after school. Like, this was when I was, this was before I had a car, so we would just hop on the bus that he rode home and just go over to his house and play play the game until, you know, it started getting dark out and parents would come pick us up. But I have a lot of super fond memories about this game because of that, because we just, you know, it was a, a weekly thing for months where we would just play two to three nights a week. And I, I must have put in hundreds and hundreds of hours into this game. And that's where my friends got upset with me choosing Wolverine all the time because <laughs> I, got, I, got, I got way too good with Wolverine. Oh, I will say before I forget that the only thing I don't like about this game, and I'm sure Genghis knows where I'm going with this, is the, the soundtrack. I can't... <laughs> the soundtrack I is god-off. I was going to ask about the music, I, just because... <laughs> it is just so bad and repetitive, and it's like, what is going on here? Like, it was so no, much better... No, it's amazing. What are you talking about? I'm going to take you for a ride. going to take you for a ride. is god -tier. Over and over. <laughs> Oh, but besides Girl, that, you crazy. <laughs> yeah, and your average like fighting game YouTuber always has that music playing in their videos too. <laughs> <laughs> it gets old real quick. Oh man, I agree no, with you. No, 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 no. It's like no, this, no, this, it's like this, like it's like this, uh, like smooth jazz soundtrack to it. Like do 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 do. It's like it's just annoying. I can't. I no. <laughs> It's the one thing I didn't like about it. Otherwise, perfect game. Girl, you crazy. <laughs>
The soundtrack's amazing. What are we talking about? <laughs> Yangus, what, what you got going on over there? What are you talking about? With your fighting game. What? I have another one I got to talk about, You've too. got some right. girls to talk about. That's what I heard. Got a dish, dish, dish. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah. So, for my second game I wanted to talk about, it's the fighting game that will never die. Uh, it is Skullgirls. Uh, originally released in 2012, uh, Skullgirls is an indie fighting game featuring fully hand-drawn animation for every character. Uh, it has been released on nearly every console uh, since um, first appearing on the PS3, uh, Xbox 360, and I believe a PC release at the time, and has appeared on pretty much every console since then. So like PS4, the Xbox One, I believe. Um, it's had been on the Switch course has been updated on uh, different PCs. I believe it can also be played on Linux as well. I haven't. I, last I checked, it was anyway. But um, it's appeared on many consoles since then. Well, you know what um, they say. You'll, you know, you're probably going to bring it up anyway. So we'll, we'll let you keep going. Okay. Um, but yeah, so it's been released on multiple consoles. It's received uh, constant updates, uh, DLC, and a lot more over the past decade. Um, as the joke goes with the Skullgirls fan base, uh, it's been over 3,000 days, and the Skullgirl launch party will never end. <laughs> Um, that's it that was it <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> all right all right we delivered all right um uh, so starring an all-female cast on its initial release uh skullgirls focuses on a previously war-torn world in the fictional city uh, the fictional city of new meridian uh, and the canopy kingdom uh, the population includes humans fish people known as doggin uh ferals or animal people uh parasites which can take on various forms and they choose a host to either help or control them just depending on their personality uh many mysterious entities including a ship-shifting abomination and a woman made entirely out of blood because of how old she is um you, you have people given mechanical makeovers to help them live a normal life as best they can um due to you know said war that i mentioned a little bit ago and even joke characters poking fun at robots clones and everything else goofy fighting games love to do uh the back story goes that every seven years a mysterious object called the skull heart appears and will grant the wish of the woman who finds it said woman becomes a skull girl hence the game's title and um as the story goes you learn about some of the other skull girls that have caused issues within this world of the game uh if the woman's wish is not pure or excuse me uh this one a woman will become a skull girl if her wish is not pure but as we learn uh in the story modes there's no way to avoid the ultimate fate of those who use the heart uh this has caused tragedy after tragedy but the mistakes of wishing on the heart never seem to end and again this is touched upon in uh, one of the story modes in the game in a really good way too actually um but Moving away from the story, we got to talk about some playable characters because this is one of the uh, fighting game. This is a fighting game that actually features a predominantly female roster of characters. Um, so at initial release, the game included eight playable characters. Uh, there was Philia and her parasite Samson. Uh, uh, Philia is a young woman who ended up losing her memory, and as you go through, she starts to learn a little bit more about herself and uh, her bond with Samson. Uh, there's Sarah Bell, the circus performer, who works for the Medici family, which is this mafia gang within the city of New Meridian. Uh, there's Peacock and her cartoon-inspired gang of goons, uh, who work for Lab uh, Lab 8, which is one of the labs that researches on how to defeat the Skullgirl. And Peacock herself was originally a, a young woman named uh, Patricia, who ended up being um, uh, altered and attacked because of the war going on and just... Unfortunately, with what happened to her body, they, uh, Lab 8 had to operate on her to help save her life. Uh, there's Miss Fortune, a cap 
a cat pun loving woman who uh, has gained immortality thanks to a mysterious item known as the life gem. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's that would just be like one of the things she'd say. Like she would say stuff like meow it's personal or what a catastrophe. Like she is just like <laughs> if she was in a Dragon Quest game she'd fit right in. <laughs> but um Another character, there's Parasol and her Black Egret soldiers. Uh, Parasol is actually uh, one of the princesses of the Canopy Kingdom and is trying to help, uh, you know, keep order within the, the city and within um, her kingdom as a whole. Uh, there's Painwheel, a young girl who was um, an unfortunate uh, target for Lab Zero, one of the uh, anti-Skullgirl labs that instead of, um, you know, asking her if, they, if she'd be willing to, you know, undergo these changes in order to help save her life, she was just kidnapped and transformed into this monstrosity known as Painwheel. Uh, there's Valentine, a a very uh, a play on the old "Hello, nurse" kind of kind of a, a joke. Like if you've ever seen Animaniacs, where it's the sexy nurse that uh, has a very dark side to her and loves to use ninja skills. But we also learn that she's got a bit more going for her story-wise. And finally, Double, a mysterious entity that can shape shift into anyone or anything that it wants that it wants to and it seems to be serving the skull girl and the skull heart uh after launch some new characters i added in the game included or that were included in the game up until 2015 uh include squiggly and her parasite leviathan uh, squiggly real name is uh, sienna who used to be part of a uh the rival family to the medici so Unfortunately, she lost her life because of a Medici attack on uh, uh, Squiggly's family. Uh, there's Big Band. Uh, his real name is Ben uh, Benjamin uh, Birdland, who is the first male playable character in the game and is a member of Lab 8, much like Peacock is. Um, his shtick is that a lot of his instruments, or a lot of his attacks and animations are all based on musical instruments, and in some cases he actually uses musical instruments to attack, which is pretty hilarious. Uh, there is Eliza and her two goons, uh, Horus and Albus, uh, the three of them all being based off of Egyptian motifs. Uh, Eliza also having uh, her own parasite called, uh, I'm probably going to say it right, it's a Sekhmat. It's based off of like the goddess of blood in or a bloody harvest or something like that from Egyptian lore. Uh, there is uh, Beowulf, uh, who is uh, much like the story, uh, the fabled story of Beowulf, uh, took down Grendel and his mother, but this time in a wrestling match and not <laughs> and not as like a barbarian warrior type. <laughs> there is, uh, let's see, there was Fukua, an April Fool's Day gag that became a fully fledged playable character, and Robo Fortune, another gag character that was a last minute stretch goal for the Indiegogo campaign. Uh, and as of the early 2020s, the game has been receiving some new playable characters again, this time bringing in two highly requested characters, Annie of the Stars and her parasite Sagan, and Umbrella, uh, Parasol's little sister, with her living weapon, Hunger. Uh, the next character announced as of now will be Black Dahlia, uh, which I believe she's scheduled to come out before the end of this year. And the last character of this DLC will be announced at evil 2022 this year and possibly some more characters um the new the new owners of the ip have been hitting at that so hey you know what if they can keep this game going for its plus 3000 day launch party hey i'm all for it man it never <laughs> ends it never ends <laughs> but yeah so even though this game does have a bit of a smaller roster than some other fighting games out there now all of them are very well crafted you know a lot of hand-drawn animation all of them have a lot of combo potential uh some are a little easier to learn than others but it's sort of like with marvel versus capcom where you're gonna find someone who really would click with and um since we were talking about street fighter slash marvel versus capcom a little bit ago let's go over the control scheme 
So this game uses a Street Fighter-style control system uh, with three punches and three kicks. Uh, the combo system uses a very free-form approach, meaning that players of all skill levels can learn how to combo moves together. Uh, you can summon assist characters to help extend the combo, or you can have them swap in via a raw tag or a crossover super move. Uh, as the years have gone on to, updates have been done to help make this a little easier for people to understand, like one of the best times for it, as well as helping players uh, learn how to escape from combos and teaching them, you know, the best ways to try and extend your combos instead of just, you know, constantly repeating the same moves, which can end up allowing your opponent to break out of your combos much easier. It's a little hard to explain just by talking about it, but basically it's like if you did a combo where you did like light, medium, heavy, launch them in the air, you do an attack, you launch them back down. If you went back to the same light button you used to start that combo, it's going to go like <clears throat> red, red, uh, red icon pops up. Your opponent can break out of the combo. So basically it teach, it helps has helped teach you over the years. And if you've you know played for a long time, you know, like here's some ways you can mix up your combo game and not, and, you know, prevent that from happening to you as well as just to teach you how the combo system can work. Uh, anyway, Skullgirls allows players to have uh, a team of one, two, or three characters. Uh, the less characters you have, the stronger your team will be. So, you know, if you have a single character, they're going to be super strong. Whereas the three-man team, they're little, they're going to be at their weakest, but, you know, you have that uh, option then for, like, the assistant and whatnot. And with two or more characters, players are able to choose uh, just about any move from a character's moveset to act as an assist attack. Uh, that includes their normal attacks or their special moves. So if you, say, use Peacock as one of your assists, uh, she can use um, one of her projectile attacks, whether it's just her heavy punch attack, which will fire a cannon, a single cannon shot, or if you want to have her use um, one of her George throws, where she, like, throws out George in a little go-kart so he, like, zips across the stage so he can, like, keep the ground uh, controlled. You have those options, whatever you want to do. And luckily with the game's freeform combo system, too, you know, there's a ton of possibilities for you. So if you find one that works for you, then, hey, great, you know, use that one to your heart's content. Um, so, yeah, it's a little it's a little complicated, kind of like with the Guilty Gear learning thing at first. But thankfully, with how the combo system works, it is pretty easy to learn and figure out how to play it. So it, it's definitely one that the more you play it, to the, you're going to quickly realize, oh, I can go, you know, from this to this or I can do this and that. And uh, it's a pretty good learning system as well. Uh, anyway, uh, you know, for this game, it has tons of game modes for it, uh, including some story mode or excuse me, including a story mode for all playable characters. Uh, you have arcades, survival, online play with lobbies, uh, some challenges that you can complete, a very extensive art gallery that you can unlock uh, a ton of pictures from, uh, including guest pieces, uh, artwork made by the designers of the game's characters, and whatnot, tons of stuff you can watch and uh, enjoy. And uh, there's also an extensive training mode and a tutorial to help teach newcomers and first-time players how to play Skullgirls or you know, fighting games in general. It's kind of like what we were talking about with the Guilty Gear one a little while ago. It's a very well-done um, tutorial-slash-learning uh, area for players, and it's one that I definitely recommend you, you check out if you do decide to play this game or you're more kind of interested in fighters. And um, before I forget... I'm going to go a little bit over the crazy backstory that was going on with this game over the years because uh, <laughs> it's had quite its ups and downs over the past decade. Um, just to kind of summarize things, uh, getting too much into detail or, you know, going too overboard. Uh, it went through development hell with its publishers to consoles. Um, Konami originally helped publish this game, and we all know what Konami is like, I'm sure. So, <laughs> you know, that was fun for uh, Autumn Games and Lab Zero at the time to help deal with that and get the patches out and everything. Uh, but eventually, Autumn Games, um, who are the creators slash owners of the IP, uh, they started an Indiegogo campaign uh, to help out the game. Uh, said campaign received over $500,000. It's crazy how much money this game ended up making from that 
uh, campaign of it. And many of those, and, and uh, excuse me, and from that campaign, uh, we saw many new additions and characters thanks to it. Uh, we had, there actually were a few voting rounds as well for characters because originally what it was supposed to be was that once this all went through, like there was going to be Squiggly as the first character, and then the second character was going to be uh, Parasol's sister Umbrella. Well, Big Band ended up winning a popularity contest during the time, so it's like, hey, we'll put him in instead. And thus started the long-running joke of Umbrella is super salty in every picture she shows up in because it's this little like 10 year old girl who always has this disgruntled look on her face because she keeps getting passed over every single time a new character was up for uh, voting <laughs> when she was originally supposed to be in the game in the first place. <laughs> um, those were the other additions, like some different voice packs for characters uh, there. And um, actually that's how Robo Fortune came about too. Cause originally it was supposed to just be a, a joke voice pack for misfortune, but then they were like, you know what? Let's throw in Robo Fortune as her own character as a last minute stretch goal to be like sort of this beam focused character instead with all these robot moves and robot puns and memes and all that stuff. So it, it, it was sort of just like a last minute surprise, kind of like how, same thing happened with Fukuo, too, where she was just uh, kind of like a surprise, like, hey, it's an April Fool's joke, but now she's really playable. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so after that Indiegogo campaign, things went on pretty calmly for the most part. After 2015, um, fortunately, there was some drama behind the scenes with Lab Zero. Uh, when one of the devs had to, uh, one of the devs at, at Lab Zero, there was some behind the scenes drama. He had to end up leaving the company. Uh, Lab Zero ended up dissolving. Uh, the new team that formed from previous members has... Uh, you know, rejoined with the game to help it out. But um, the series eventually did get back on its feet uh, thanks to the new co-owners, a Hidden Variable. Uh, they have helped support the series with uh, the Skullgirls mobile game release, which is kind of like um, a touchscreen fighter slash adds a little more story to the game if you're interested in the in the or the world of Skullgirls, I should say, to add story to that. Uh, and from the success of that mobile release, it helped lead to some more content being added to the proper Skullgirls game on the home consoles and PC and everything, uh, including the finally getting uh, characters like Annie and Umbrella, who had been teased for, you know, years and years and, you know, were such fan uh, fan favorite characters. And um, over the years, too, as this game has gotten updated, usually the developers give it like an encore title. Like when it first uh, got its big major update, it was called Encore. Now it's on second Encore. And I'm curious if at some point they're going to go with a third Encore, if there's like a PS5 version or like a like a new brand, like a brand spank, a new updated version of the game. Um, now, getting off of my notes, I'll just uh, say that I have followed this game since it originally came out. You know, the fact it was a hand-drawn uh, fighting game really interested me. This is back when I was really into fighting games as well, back in like my later high school days. So this game really caught my eye. I didn't have an X, I didn't have the means to play it, unfortunately. And even though I had an Xbox 360, I just didn't mess with it as much. So I didn't warrant buying it. But I did eventually get the PC release on Steam uh, in college. You know, loved the hell out of it. Played that all the time. And I picked up um, the PS4 version. I want to get the Switch version at some point. And uh, just recently I bought the DLC, which actually, you know, reinvigorated my love for this game because... You know, all jokes aside with that launch party or 3,000 plus days, like Skullgirls is a game that has always stuck with me, too, because it is a lot of fun. It's really well made. You know, the combo system, it is kind of weird at first to learn, but it's once you get a hang of it, it's a lot of fun to mess around with. And this is a fighting game that I love coming back to as well and trying out different um, character combinations or like just seeing what all sort of references they threw in for like the character color schemes. Like Beowulf is really funny because his color schemes include shout outs to uh, Wolverine's, you know, classic yellow spandex look. Uh, you have Batman's look. You have 
Um, some characters, I think Annie, she has a Wonder Woman styled outfit. Uh, some re- references to like Nintendo games, and, and you know, you can just tell that the dev team have had fun over the years with this game, and um, that is also why there is the joke of this game will never die, and that it's always in its launch party because so much new content keeps coming to this game, even though it always seemed like for the longest time it was just like the fighting game that just either kept getting swept under the rug or just didn't have a huge amount of spotlight on it. But it's just stayed strong, and it's a hell of a lot of fun. I've been talking a lot lot about this one, though, so what do you guys think about this one? Is there a a Waluigi costume for any of the characters? There is, actually. All of them, this is much (laughs) better than Smash. It's a Wario Waluigi colors game. It's a Wario. I've already decided this is better than Smash, then, if that's the case. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Big Band, if you have the Season 1 DLC pass, he gets a Wario and Waluigi-inspired color scheme for him. <laughs> and I guess that's, that's that's only available on the Switch? No. Oh, okay. Because nope. I, just, I just found out, I opened up Steam while we were talking about this to look at the game, and apparently I purchased this game in November of 2013 and have put a whole 50 minutes into it. So, hey, if you ever want to play on Steam, I've got it. I got it on Steam, too, so. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's it's a ton of fun to play with friends and stuff. I played this all the time with uh, one of my buddies in college. He actually was going to school in Illinois uh, while I was going to school um, here in Iowa. And uh, it was great because playing online, you know, the online was very good even back then in, like, 2013, 2014. It was, it was a lot of fun playing matches with him. He hated that I played Big Band a lot, but... <laughs> But I love, like, Big Band is, like, the best playable character in a fighting game, and I refuse to believe otherwise. <laughs> well, hey, I am a Big Band loyal, loyalist, so I 100% agree with that. They, they they have a new character coming that's that's recently announced, apparently. Yep. Yep. Black, Black Dahlia. Dahlia. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That'll be fun, too, because uh, that'll be another villainous character for the roster. That'll be... She's got a, she got a big gun arm. I'm, I'm oh, for yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Watching her alpha trailer for how her gameplay is going to be. Oh, it's going to be great. I can't wait. I, 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 I only hope that the last character they add for the fourth character, anyway, is Panzerfaust, who's just this giant hulking monstrosity of an Egrets member of the Parasols, um group of soldiers. I would love it because he's got a literal tank for an arm. I want this. I want this giant man <laughs> as a playable character. Please make it happen. <laughs> That's all I ask. I just want Tank Man as my playable character. You heard it here, developers. Let's go. Let's make it Panzerfaust, baby. But yeah, Skullgirls Skull is a lot of fun. And it's it's one that's pretty easy to, you know, it is a little weird at first trying to learn to play the game. But honestly, once you get the hang of it, it's real fun to just pick up and play and just mess around with. Whether it's yeah. by yourself or with friends. Love, love, love. And it's still, it's crazy to me, too, that this game, because I've realized when I bought the season one pass uh, just a few weeks ago, it's like, oh, my God, this game's been out for a decade. Yeah. <laughs> and it's still going strong. It's crazy. <laughs> I had just watched the Combo Breaker tournament for it, too, that just happened a few weeks ago. Oh, my God. It, like, the hype that was surrounding that this game for, you know, being 10 years old. It's like with Tekken 7, where, like, there's still so much hype for that game, even though it's from 2013. You know, it's it's still there and in full force from people. Like, people love watching it and playing it. It's nice that an independent fighting game has been so successful. That's good to see. Oh, yeah. Like, uh... Or, 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 like, another great independent fighting game would be, like, Dive Kick, if you ever played that. <laughs> oh, my God, Dive Kick. I love Dive Kick. So dive goofy. Kick! So goofy. Yeah. But, yeah, this is a, definitely one worth checking out. Whether Whatever system you have, you can pretty much find it on just about any of them. And um, I, I know the Switch version, though, unfortunately, just because it was not published by... Um, 
hidden variable slash autumn games on the switch uh it does not have access to the dlc or some of the newer updates it, it does have everything up from the second encore version so like you'll have everything that was in the game added since 2015 but unfortunately just because of it uh, its publisher at the moment they just don't have access to um some of the D- like the newer dlc like annie and umbrella so if you oh, do weird. pick up this game that's i would recommend maybe either holding out to see when that's going to come out for that version they haven't said when it's going to i'm i'm guessing it's going to be once all this dlc has been released they're gonna you know put it all out at once for the switch version uh, otherwise you know it plays very well on ps4 you can get it on steam i don't know about xbox systems off the top of my head but you know whether you go with steam or with uh ps4 I mean, you can't go wrong. It's it's a lot of fun, especially if you can get it at a nice price. You will not be disappointed, especially if you enjoyed playing arcade or playing fighting games in the arcades. Very nice. But yes, that is my shtick, and I think that wraps us up. Then, unless anybody else has a another fighting game they want to quickly mention, real quick. No, I, I threw uh-huh. in my dive kick reference. On yeah. It's all, lead, it's all leading up to that. That was all Pendy's plan. <laughs> well, I think then with that case, um, we've reached the end of our arcade mode run. We've gotten the high score, and it's game over. One and that's going to do it. Yeah, that's going to do it for this episode of SideQuest. We want to definitely thank um, Barurian and Twinkie for joining us tonight to talk about their fighting games. So thank you, guys. Yeah, glad I could be here. Yep, thanks for having me. And I'd like to thank you, Pendy, too, for uh, joining me for uh, not only the co-host seat for this episode, but that we were finally able to do this fighting game episode. This has been a long long time coming. It has been. I've been waiting for this one for so long since you talked about it. I don't know how long ago, but I remember when you, that was one of the first things that you mentioned. It's like, oh, we can do a fighting game one. I was like, oh, okay. I want to do this. I want to do a fighting game. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. I wasn't going to be, I wasn't impatient. I didn't nag you about it. I was like, I'm just going to wait until he's good and ready. And, um, but I was very excited to finally do a fighting game side quest. It's great. Oh, yeah. I think this has been an episode idea, too, that's been kicking around since the start of SideQuest, actually, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, because I I think actually that was one of the things we were talking about before we recorded uh, the very first episode of uh, with the Final Fantasy games, uh, Final Fantasy one through six, where it was like, oh, it'd be fun to talk about that. Or like when I was writing up my list of stuff, you know, on the Google Docs and everything. But yeah, and this is definitely a topic too. like, I'll just say it now. We'll probably revisit at some point in the future. Now, whether Platy is with us or not, I don't know. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, because like in the future, like we could do. I know I'll probably do like Street Fighter Four. Uh, I'm sure we can get some people that can talk about Smash, including you. So mm-hmm. all sorts of stuff. Oh yeah, because I'd love to. Um, there was some fight. There's actually been some fighting games that I've discovered uh, in the last few weeks um, from Sunsoft, actually, which is an older developer from like the 90s. Uh, they had some arcade games. I think I sent you the trailer for that one, Pendy. It was um, a fan-made like crossover game between their two old uh, fighting games, like Galaxy, like Galaxy Warriors and Waku Waku 7, which are both, like, complete opposite spectrums on what they're supposed to be stylistic-wise. But, oh, okay. Uh, Interesting. But um, the, I think those are the correct names for them. I could be wrong on the, the Galaxy one. Anyway, uh, there were, like, these older arcade fighting games that had, you know, such a unique look and style to them. It was like, oh, these look really cool, actually. So, you know, I, if, you know, whenever I do get a chance to play them myself, I'd love to talk about them in the future. And, um, you know, when we were talking, like, behind the scenes, too, with this uh, fighting game idea or for an episode, you know, there's, there were a lot of other games that came up too would be like oh that'd be good to talk about oh let's go with that no 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 let's save that for another episode okay yeah. so, you know, we had we had a lot of conversation about it so I, I definitely think this is a topic that we could easily revisit in the future for sure and maybe i'll have my my one eight my one up arcade unit finally built at that point in time <laughs> i'll 
we'll need, get around to it. We'll need picture proof. Oh, no, I will. Yeah. I, will. I will. I'll post it in the Discord when it happens. Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll make sure to include that in the uh, YouTube version that um, our good friend Woodis puts up. Yes. But, you know, there's one thing that we don't put up with, and that's Patreon. Isn't that right, Pendy? That's right. We don't use Patreon. We won't take you for a ride. If you do have any money in your wallet that is spinning bird kicking your car, wooden barrels, flaming oil drums, bricks, or concrete slabs, and you would like to donate donate anything to a website that's been supporting Dragon Quest fans for over 20 years, stop by the Dragon's Den at www.woodis.com den and click on support this site. Woodis has owned and maintained the Dragon's Den fan site for decades. He personally edits every YouTube version of our podcast, and he fully appreciates any donations to help keep the servers running. Uh, if you have any suggestions for a future SideQuest episode, we'd be happy to hear from you. Uh, you can reach out to uh, our usual places. Uh, you can reach out to uh, Platy via PlattyM3 on Twitter or on Discord or on the Dragon's Den. Uh, you can also contact me on the Dragon's Den via personal message or on the Dragon's Den Discord. Uh, you just have to look for Yangus the Legendary Bandit or Yangus and you'll be able to find me. Just look for the pointed hat. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we have a list full of ideas, and we'd be happy to add some more. And as we said a little bit ago, you know, always open to revisit ideas because, again, you know, with fighting games, tons of them we didn't talk about. This is easily a topic we could revisit in the future. Definitely. Well, bye, everyone. Side quest complete. Game over.